Uh, welcome back to Blues Hockey Podcast. Your host Jason, and uh, once again, Chris is not with us. So, but I do have another special guest once again. So I gotta say, old friend for sure, because I've known this man for a long time. Went to school for what's the school? Grade school. So we're Since we, we go were back. going to the bathroom yellow. Yeah, as yeah. The, so, that's the clean so. way to say it. So uh, Dan Walsh is with us. Thanks, Dan, for uh, joining us. My pleasure. So, My yeah. pleasure. So yeah, so. We're going to kind of talk about, uh, we'll kind of reminisce about old times, talk about some hockey, because that's where my first, Dan is my first, time, my first goalie that I had to stand in front of and protect all the time. He was my first. The uh, greatest, the greatest goalie. Okay? Yeah, yeah it's true. The greatest. First okay? and greatest. Let's make sure we put that in there. First, I'll edit that out then real quick. Make sure we put first and what? Greatest. Yeah. At what? I don't yeah. know. But in yeah. some way. Yeah. The greatest goalie. Yeah. That we'll you and we'll also talk about, so obviously Dan grew up in St. Louis, so we'll talk about uh, his Blues fandom, and we'll talk about uh, Stanley Cup and every a little bit of everything during this, and we'll also talk about Dan's uh, comedy, and we'll go over a little bit of the uh, road rules, challenge stuff. But like I said, I want to focus on the comedy stuff, because I think it's more interesting to me. So yeah. we'll get into a little bit of everything. So first off, let's. Uh, I kind of want to tell a history about me and you first. So me and you went to the same grade school. So back in North County, St. Louis. Growing up in the let's say what eighties nineties I guess technically technically early nineties I yeah. guess we would say early nineties yeah late eighties early nineties yeah oh yeah that's how I would sum it up the, a, a, a very um I always say a, a very unique well every all time is unique time but I would think the late eighties and early nineties as in a comparison to now is definitely unique yeah so, so the fact that yeah uh, same grateful. And so first, uh, so basically our first hockey team. So our first hockey team was Brewski Bombers. The, the first, yeah, the Bombers. Bombers. Yeah, from the Brewskis in, uh, in Florissant. The Florissant. original Brewskis. Yeah, the original Brewskis. There's a different iteration now, but the original, the OG one off of uh, Lindbergh. The one that started is like, a, yeah, it started as just a bar, and then it like bought out the insurance place. Then it bought out. So whatever is using it now, the whole area, that our brewskis was the one who literally constructed that to my knowledge it's, it is a show me's now well show me's it, their entire shell and show me's is owed to steve keithley's uh to to brewskis yeah because before he, it was yeah it was, it was small then he bought out part of it added the stage yeah, right he, he had the stage in the back he bought out the i remember the american family insurance which was next door in the mm-hmm. corner Mm-hmm. Took that out, put more pool tables and stuff over there, then bought out the pasta house, which was next door, mm-hmm. and then expanded it. And that's why that whole corner of the building now is one massive space. It's one massive space. But he was the one who did it. Like, I remember really young, like it was just one little area and then this guy just started tearing it down and building. So that was our brewski. So when we got to go to practices and then go eat pizza pizza afterwards that was like out. every time it's like we go to like after practice you know when you like got done with practice i was like all right see you up at brewskis we go up there and i'll get pizzas and whatever and play pinball and drink soda pizzas uh we hung out at a bar you talk about a different time oh yeah we were what, 12 12 11 12 yeah. right in that range yeah. yes I've done my homework. I did my homework on their pool tables one time. Yeah. We used when to I tell people time, that yeah. now, because it's like, oh, kids hung out at a bar. I was like, yeah, we spent yeah. a lot of time there. After yeah, a lot games, of time. After yeah. practices. Well, twice a week for probably a couple of, at least a couple of years, right? 
Tuesdays and Thursdays, I want to say, was yeah, our practice I think, days. And I think, well, I think it eventually turned into games on Thursdays, if I remember correctly. But, yeah, so mm-hmm. good times. So, yeah, so that's when I first – my first experience playing hockey was uh, with Dan and basically protecting Dan. I was like – I remember uh, – uh, let's see. So it was Mike's grandpa was the coach, correct? Yeah, Pat. Yeah, Pat was a coach, and he just like, you don't let anybody in front of Dan. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so I took it seriously. And I think to this day, everybody's like, you have a temper when you play in front of the net. And I'm like, well, thanks to Pat. That's just instilled in me when I was 11. He's like, you make sure nobody's in front of him. So I yeah. just, and I was still a bigger dude. And I was just like, all right, I'll throw this guy to the right. And so he can see everything. And yeah, we were pretty gotta, decent. I, think, remember, I was so short too. Like I was so little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, they were like, on the smaller side back then. I learned how to like, like when I got into, high school and everything i learned how to play around that but definitely in the beginning everyone was dwarfed me so if mm-hmm. you got in front of me i couldn't see anything yeah. it was like an eclipse so mm-hmm. yeah he was absolutely 100 on the money with that when he said get someone out of the way because it was like i would basically just be staring at someone's hips yeah or like the back of their and i couldn't now like as i like my hockey life it evolved like when i was playing in high school i learned hey i got a little bit bigger but then i learned how to just kind of how to stand block an angle and look like underneath people's legs or mm-hmm. you know and i learned my own little tricks of like putting the the stick by their skate and pulling back and pushing forward yeah. right before the guy shoots so they fall down and you can see the shot yep but uh before any of that before i could figure when i was just a young pup you guys had to yeah you had to clear the way for me or else uh I just stood there and hoped to God it hit me. That's yeah. pretty much it. It worked out. And we, and we had fun. We had a lot of fun back then. So I'll just bring up this funny thing before we move on to the next thing. So I remember, and I don't know if you remember this. So when we were going into, I believe we're still just, we haven't even played hockey yet. You're like, hey, man, my cousin's coming to the school next year. He's going to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I remember, and you said like right before we went to the summer break. And I remember going all summer, like, am I going to get beat up when I go back to school? And then, like, oh, and I get don't there, tell and then, me that's what you actually thought, man. Oh, really? it was funny because it's one of the things where, like, it didn't like sit with me all summer. I thought about it. And I'm like, I think he's joking, but then part of me is like, well, is he joking? And then, you know, obviously, funny things happen. Then, obviously, me and Mike got along really well, actually, and became really close. So, why not be actually really funny? So, but yeah, so the story behind that is okay. And I'm sure I don't know if Mike's ever told you, but Mike was always a quiet and timid guy. Oh, and still is, I think. Still is kind of, you know what I mean? Like he's, he, and I was just so worried about him. You know what I mean? Because he doesn't, it, like where he was going, the neighborhood he had lived in before was Spanish Lake. Mm. So it's almost like, I mean, it, it, he's like the equivalent of being in prison. He just kind of learns to like sit in a corner and just kind of like, and I wanted him to, come over so it was with good intentions i wanted him to come over and be able to have a bunch of friends right yeah so i guess i didn't want him coming in being quiet and then everyone just looking at him going like who is this nerd and then, yeah. you know what i'm saying like <laughs> oh, i don't yeah. feel terrible but i'm a, <laughs> an idiot kid so oh, like, yeah. in my mind it's like if i build him up to be mean then no one will pick on him and then i'll have friends like i don't i can't in, in our heads when they're young, it sounded great. Logic. Oh yeah, and our young, we were young. That sounded like perfect logic, though. Probably it did. It was like yeah. I was, it, I was trying to defend him getting picked on, 
But like, but, but then you know what? He brings this up mm-hmm. to me a lot. He brings up, he told you, we last time I was over at his house visiting him and his wife, and he's telling her about this. And she's laughing because I'm trying to defend myself. Because sometimes with Mike, it's like, okay, why was, here's a list of why Danny was an a hole, you know, like <laughs> to me, you know. And, and I always find myself defending. I'm like, all of this stuff was with good intention. It was just, I, I don't know what was wrong. I mean, all young people are dumb, you know, like yeah, we, we are, all, we're developing. We have our, we have our moments. Yeah. But God, I was especially stupid. I really don't. I look back at some of the stuff and I'm like, I don't get any of my logic. It makes no, like, I know what my intentions were, but I like, it's so often that like, I'm like, I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah. But like, yeah. why'd I go that route with that logic instead of just doing like something simple? Like, oh yeah, I should have went that route instead exactly oh yeah it's like, I, I just felt like an idiot i just felt oh, like yeah. an idiot and then, but that's funny because that's not with mike that's like mike could sit you down and there's like a half hour's worth of stuff that i've done probably hours worth of stuff that he'll bring up and it's like i have not thought of it since, since that, it that, so day, yeah since that day bro but then i look back and i'm like oh my god and then you're like like in my mind i'm like okay just to make sure that like jason doesn't pick on him because you never you were not a mean person i don't even know how i would think about that yeah but i don't know i guess like the, the herd mentality i'll just i'll make jason aware so when he approaches him he's not approaching him with like a uh a dominating side jason yeah. i'll be honest with you i don't have a logic on it it's, I, a, in it's, my funny. Mind, it's funny I'm i don't sure. know like that randomly when, when i started talking to you this you know last uh, week or so about uh, coming on and uh the podcast i kind of like that just like snapped in my head all of a sudden like yeah. i haven't even probably thought about it in so long and all of a sudden i'm like oh that was kind of funny i remember that so I'll, t- I'll mark that down real quick before i forget so i get yeah i'm literally my life like it, it, there's so many times when someone will bring that up and i've just gotten used to just going you know what i i don't know what i was i don't that was me yeah i did that yeah that <laughs> i don't so know funny. why but so i did yeah, like we said, so obviously we get after that, literally because of that, spawned us playing hockey together. And I think kind of by my love of hockey grew because of because of all of us playing and all of us got real close playing hockey. You know, like me, you, Mike, uh, our friend Sam, you know, Matt Hurst, Hogan, all those guys really kind of got together and, you know, formed a really close bond just through obviously just going to school together, but also hockey week. So we were spending almost all day with each other a couple of days yeah. a week, you know, so it was great. So with that, then obviously became, you know, another great thing came up. Our blues fandom kind of came even more into focus with this. Um, if you remember, do you remember us going to the uh, NHL draft together? I didn't make it. That Did you day. go to that with us? I'm no, trying to remember I this one. Was, I know Mike went with us, but I couldn't remember if you were with Mike us. Mike was not. there. I was out of town. I think I was like in the Junior Olympics that year or something. Oh, like I might have been. Like out, I was yeah. out, but no, but I. I was pissed. I remember being mad that I couldn't go. I yeah, do remember that. Yeah, we had that. And then just us like always going to games and just growing up Blues fans. So obviously, being in St. Louis, we all became massive Blues fans. So obviously, you know, Brett Hall is the you know big one. Obviously, that was a big influence for us back then. But uh, growing up, did you have somebody outside of, you know, maybe like Brett Hall, obviously, that you kind of look towards as like a favorite player on the Blues? And then maybe a non-Blue, if you even have one that's a non-Blue pl- uh, favorite player growing up. Oh. Tons of players. Um, I was a big, I think like anybody, a big Al McInnes, mm-hmm. uh Mark, just because I was amazed, like just by his sheer power um, of a slap shot. It was just, mm-hmm. it was like something of legends. Funny story. The year, uh, 2019, 
the Blues, I was working at a hotel, the Ritz-Carlton in uh, Marina del Rey. The Blues were staying there. Now, at this time, the Blues were dead last. Mm-hmm. But we all know what happens. They yep. turn it around. And that was always the running joke that I told everybody there. Because I work security for them. So, like, when the Blues were there, if they were departing or any, whenever teams, NBA teams, everybody would depart or anything like that, I was the security. I would, like, make sure they got to their buses and everything. Mm-hmm. But I'm staying out on the front drive. And I remember I just, like, I just had gotten back from St. Louis. So, it was weird. And so, I was like, yeah, Blues are still with us because i think mm-hmm. they stayed there's like a long stint in southern california i think they played like they went and did san jose or they did like anaheim went back went to san jose came back and was like playing i think yeah the like the west coast like that west coast swing they did they were doing that 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 run and it was like going into i remember this the christmas break mm-hmm. because they were all going to start departing to their homes so they were all leaving individually okay. so not as a team they were leaving individually from this so it was some kind of break in the nhl i want to say it was uh Christmas, probably. Yeah, most like Christmas. So I'm sitting out on the front drive and I'm just like, they're they're all starting to leave. And I'm just kind of sitting there and I'm not even thinking. And some guy kind of comes up to me and he goes, hey, and, and I'm not even looking up. Like I'm looking over at something else and I just hear, hey, is uh, Southwest its own terminal at LAX? And I turned around. I was like, sir, yes, it is. And when I look, it's Al McKenna's. Mm-hmm. And I just stay there and like nobody knows i mean los angeles has a i I will say this there's a lot of kings fans yeah it's really weird of all the places like dude east like uh east la latinos love the kings it's hilarious like they just never played hockey growing up or anything but they do so i i don't want to crap on uh the the california not having hockey fans they do Mm -hmm. but where i'm sitting at is no one around me knows who this guy is yeah and i'm sitting and i just look at him and i'm i guess they're gonna answer the questions and I kind of walk over and there's a guy just hold, like one of the valets. And I'm like, you don't know who that is, do you? And he's like, no. I said, that's a Hall of Famer, dude. That man is a legend. And I said, man, there is something I really want to say to him, but I'm not going to, you know, they always tell us when we're doing security, like, don't do that. Don't. But I said, you know what? Screw it. I walked right over it and I said, Mr. McKinnis. And turned out, I was like, I, I, you know, my name is Danny. I'm from, I'm from St. Louis. And I just want to let you know, I just want to tell you one thing. When you shot a puck so hard that it got stuck in Ed Belfour's blocker on Easter Sunday mm-hmm. is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I've never seen anything like that since. And he just smiled like ear to ear. And he goes, I'm well, I'm glad you got a kick out of it. Or something like, I know Eddie didn't or so I don't know. Yeah. But then I just walked away and like no one around me understood how much that meant to me. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, you just remember the moments of like Al McKinnis winning hardest shot at the all-star game. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I think he shattered a pane of glass at one point. Broke the boards. Just, I think a couple of times. Yeah. Like yeah. he just was just, so like when you're an adult now and you, especially when you're not ready for it, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't think it would be this, but I remember me and Mike were at Steve Keithley's house to tie all of this around on Easter Sunday, they were playing, I believe it was when he was, was he with Dallas or was he with Chicago still? But he rifled that slap shot and it got stuck in the blocker. The puck mm-hmm. got stuck. I've never seen that. And yeah, I'm, I played, boy, I played, I mean, up till varsity level, uh, Bantam travel. I've, I've never seen that happen. Yeah, it's stuck in a blocker of everything. In God, a just, blocker, a yeah. flat, like, hard. But it was so cool. So, yes, uh, Al McKinnis, definitely. And then that's always something that ties around. Uh, I think, like everybody, I love Keith Kachuk. Mm-hmm. Just an awesome power forward to watch. Um, I mean, other than that, man, there were so many good ones that came in. You know, Doug Waite. I always liked, well, you know, for the, the short time he was with us, he just like was a clutch. It, I just mean, he just was such a hard worker. Like, obviously, yeah. Doug Wade's very good. But, like, yeah, he, 
just seemed like whenever he was playing, especially, I think, what was that, 96, 95 he was with us? Uh, a little bit later now. I think like 98. Little yeah, yeah, yeah. A little, late, a little yeah, later, okay. 98, I think. Okay. I say 98-ish. He just, like, every time the man was in a play, it looked like he was fighting for his life. Like, it mm-hmm. just, he was always in, like, skirm. But, but, I mean, he was, a, he was an offensive and, like, finesse player, but just, I don't know, I loved his, like, hard style of play. So, uh, but, I mean, God, over the years, there's just tons of players. You know, I, uh, I mean, I will say that was about St. Louis. We have, and as being a goalie, okay? So, my whole life, my number one goalie that I loved more than anything was Mike Richter. For, mm-hmm. from the rangers um mostly because like his style i adapted his style i went to like his goalie coaches you know mm-hmm. went to camps there and everything and he had a very as far as for a goaltender something that really helped me when, especially when i got into high school just kind of really step my game up and be very good and able to play at, like you know at least varsity level and so his style i always related with because of how it worked kind of his size to my size to like Mm-hmm. His mobility, I mean, so I was like that. But I always look at the goalies. And I always said that St. Louis has the ability to take wonderful goalies and destroy them. I don't know For many what years, it is, we, Or if we actually had a really good goalie, something awful would happen. When, like Grant Fewer, then all of a sudden his knee gets blown out. And then, or, you know. Dude, we, had- we took, how many Vesna Trophy winning goaltenders did we get our hands on? Only for them to have the worst part of their career. Yeah, like we had, what's the Patrick Laleem. We were I remember being so excited to pick him up from Ottawa, and then like that's when the team was god awful. And we came in, and that dude couldn't stop a beach ball all season. Yeah. And we like he was so bad, he didn't even make it the whole season. They sent him down to Peoria. He was so bad, and I'm just I was dude. so excited to get that guy, and then it was awful. John Casey, uh, you know, with the North Stars, did great. Yeah. Comes hey, over to us and did, had one good postseason, but after that, man, it was just he Grant Fuhr played. I think what he played that was the year Fuhr played like seventy nine games or something like that. He only played three games. Casey like just get the easiest job at NHL that year. He decided to yeah. sit there, and then all of a sudden he got thrown in the action, and you know, like luckily did pretty decent. You know, postseason did his, great when Fuhr yeah. got hurt. Yeah, but then that next year, I don't know what happened. He started playing more. They like split the season with him, and he yeah, was he just. Did. Average, and yeah, yeah, I went down a chain. Like, what happened? Uh, same thing with Jim Carrey. Jim, Jim Carrey, Carrey was with, got with him. Washington. He was awful. Yeah, he was awesome was there. A, was a Vesna trophy the year before, I think, came over awful. Yeah, and I always said, I said, I wonder what St. Louis does to its goalies. Yeah, like I just pictured them torturing them or doing like, and we had Chris Osgood technically, a Stanley Cup winning goalie. I mean, he was like, uh, you know, near the end of his thing, but yet he went back to Detroit after he was St. Louis and won a cup again. So it was one of those things where it's like you couldn't have played played like that legacy. Legacy, Everyone crapped on legacy, but when the Blues were at their absolute worst, that guy's goals against average was amazing. Yeah, he was good. I think that's why whenever they brought in – who was it that they brought in kind of placed over him, and he got really pissed. And like Chris Mason, I think, was the one. Chris Mason. Yeah, he got really mad about it. And it was like, I kind of get that, man. Like, you're not not the problem. But, yeah, Yeah. they're – but yeah, we just were awful with like we had great. We had Tom Barrasso too at the end of his career, if you remember. Oh yeah, yeah. Tom Barrasso, two-time yeah. Stanley Cup winner. Yeah. Like so. we just ruined goalies, and like I, I, me and Mike used to laugh about that. I'm like, this is this place is like a black hole. Like so even when Martin Brodeur came to be like the coach and then wound up playing a few games, I was like, this yeah. is going to be the worst. Yeah, he, like, he played a seven, whopping seven games. So uh, St. Louis Blues great Martin Brodeur, like. 
I think he I think he kind of figured like uh I know what happens to goalies here. I better keep this. He's like he got that shutout. He got possible. that shutout, then he was okay the next couple of games, and they're like, Well, our goalie's healthy again. He's like, All right, I'm cool. Like I'll just get out of here. I'll see you later. Yeah, yeah. I don't but uh yeah, I mean Roman Turek, uh you had a lot of a lot of great talent that just had the worst. I I did not that great. So as a goalie, it was frustrating to be a blues fan because yeah. you would get so excited when people came in and you're like, Oh, this guy's going to be, and then it would just be like, the hell happened. And I don't, I still kind of want to know. I want to know if there's just like, who's their goal coach staff. Who is there? There's gotta be some, there's, this is more than a coincidence at this point. Cause it's like you said, Osgood comes here, nothing to write no, home no, no. about then goes yeah. and wins another Stanley cup. So like, what's the problem? Like, yeah. where, yeah, they had, they, had a, they had a habit of like chasing goalies that were really good. So they would get a goalie that just won a cup or had like some kind of like really great credentials. And then they would get him like weirdly, like, I don't know, he, you think he's on top of his game, but they would be on their downslide. And we have them. And it's like, why, how wide on the downside? They just won a cup or won two or three cups. I get, I get you. Detroit in the 90s was, you know, 90s, early 2000s was one of the Amazing. best teams ever. I get that. And, you know, couple of probably we might have been able to win a couple of games there playing goal with that team in front of us but still you have to have some talent to play goal you know be a goaltender at nhl i don't care what anybody says because everybody makes an argument with osgood saying he's not really a great goalie or a hall of famer but like he still had to stop the puck it wasn't just you know a great team in front of him for the whole time there's only one goal there's only one goalie that i look at and i'm like i don't know what you did in a past life that you have gotten what you've gotten and you don't deserve any of it. And that's Corey Crawford for Chicago. That is, (laughs) he is the most, I said, when you take a shot, when you take your initial shot on Corey Crawford, everyone in the building, including the dude that works in the rafters, fixing the lights knows where the rebound is before Corey Crawford does. He is lost. It's just Chicago was so dominant. That you could put a broom in that goal and they were going to do okay. Yeah. Like he just had to be decent. Right. Yeah. Like, and but other than was that, for those I don't, couple he, runs. Yeah. he was when him and, uh, and I hate to say he's good, Ben Bishop. I know he's a St. Louis guy, but Ben Bishop was another one like that year. Like this guy was so, he looked like a baby deer on the ice, like with his legs. So when he's they so played tall, each yeah. other, uh-huh. it was, I said, this will be the first Stanley Cup champion where goaltending didn't matter at all. It oh, just yeah. didn't, like, because both of them could not, their re, it was, like, I guess it's a goalie, maybe I've been way too overanalytical, but, like, their rebound control and, and like, literally zone awareness was almost funny to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, I understand Bishop. Bishop is a bigger guy, you yeah. know, playing us. But, like, let's be, I mean, it, it his career kind of tells you. It's, like, and goalies, people got to remember, are, like, pitchers. You know, they're a lot of it is is like their momentum, and you got to know mm-hmm. when to pull them, but you got to know when to let them work out of it. Yeah, because uh, if they get on that, they're they're kind of that superstitious. They get on the bat end, then they're gonna slope down. You know. Oh yeah. I'm a, a lot of times too with goaltending, it's the style of the team, right? So Miller, when Miller came to St. Louis, here's a yeah. good one. Yeah. Everyone acted pissed off, but it's like Miller came from one of the worst teams. And he's used to getting, you know, set amount of shots every single game. We were then really put good him that in year. With the Blues, yeah. and it's it, it kind of throws his entire momentum off. 
Like he goes from, he gets half that amount of shots. The defense is set up different. It's all, you know what I mean? And that does matter in goaltending. So I think some goalies honestly got the shaft from St. Louis. I think like they weren't bad. They should have stuck with them. They should have really, and I think you would have gotten a much different. And then there's goalies they stuck with that I didn't understand. Yeah. You know, but that's like you said, every goaltender to be in the NHL is an, an elite athlete. Like, yeah. They've worked, they worked their ass off. They're not there. There's very few guys where you're like, for like, what's his name? What's the guy's name from David Ayers, the guy who like was the emergency goalie for, yeah. Carolina, you know, Carolina a couple of years ago. Yeah. Where drove just, like, the Zamboni. Yeah. Toronto drove the Zamboni. Yeah. Like and then like stuff like that. Like, okay. And then that's like a thing's a legend or the guy that it may, uh, a man after my own heart and uh, literally an accountant was that goalie for Chicago that one night and came in and, you know, wound up helping them. They were already ahead, I think, by four, three or four goals, but they still, he had to hold the lead for, you know, for, a, I think, a period and a half. And he did, you know, so uh, Scott Foster, that's the game of Chicago. And the element, yes, you definitely seen, especially with Ayers, because I think at the first goal he lets up, it's just him trying to time how, like, their speed. Yeah. Because I think, like, yeah. the first, like, the one goal he lets up, it's like low glove hand, I believe. But you could just tell he like was going and they shot it. And he was like, all right, man, they already, he had already beaten them before he even went for it. Yeah. Cause it looked like really kind of like collecting yeah, things out. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, all right. And then like, I think he stopped like three or four. It was like, he just had to adjust the timing, but you got to see the level, the difference of level of play that, yeah, yeah this is a guy who the farthest he ever made was AHL. And then now he's stepping in to an NHL caliber game. Yeah. These guys, like even their weak wrist shots are like, way quicker than anything that most of us will ever see correct so it's like yeah i talk a gang of shit about you know uh bishop and crawford but i mean to get there they really had to they had to be their 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 level their their reflexes everything had to be they had to be talented super talented yeah and now there's other goalies that are i would say are legendary and they're legendary because they're almost like quarterbacks they controlled Mm -hmm the the zone that they yeah. were in they kind of controlled the play around them even though people don't always notice that um like your patrick was your i think, you know, think brodeur in his prime was like that for sure he is and you know what though what i was loved about brodeur brodeur was the first version of jonathan quick like uh by that i mean jonathan quick could be amazing and then let a goal in yeah, that like, you're like huh. what okay. Yeah. Like he had his leg pad behind the the, the line and they yeah. shot it. He made essentially made a pad save, but it was already in the goal. Yeah. So do you do that? Like Brodeur was always like, cause I went back and watched uh, the, the 94 conference finals Rangers and, and uh, devils. Okay. And if you watch the two overtime goals, he lets go in six and five or six and seven. Yeah. You're just like, what? Yeah. But, but you're right. For the most part, he was so good at, kind of controlling the area. It's just, but I think it goes back to that. Like we were talking about the, the pitcher mentality. Like mm-hmm. sometimes they're just, they're on it. And then they're, it's something they're gets different them a little off. Yeah. Yeah. Cause think about how fast those guys are, how fast that play moves, how fast. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I talk trash in these guys, but here's with the understanding that the worst goaltender in the NHL is way better than I ever was. So I mean, yeah, that's, the way I, that's the way I look at say, it. Like, I can only talk trash as a as a naive uh, idiot fan. Like oh, that's that's what we all do, which is fun. So, do you want to know my two uh, my two NHLs, my two uh, run-ins with NHLers? So Go I ahead. Can, I'll Let's give do you it. These. So one, one's easy since you brought Ben Bishop. 
I have scored a goal against Ben Bishop. Thank you very much. So doesn't uh, doesn't surprise me. So I I, uh, I stood in front of the net and uh, got the rebound when he didn't see it. So I'll take that as a win. And that's right before he left to go to uh, college. So it was like he was like filling in for somebody when uh, Tommy Sullivan asked me to play for a team that night. And I would just he's like, oh, this guy's going to a college and looks like he'll get drafted by somebody, you know, next year. I'm like, oh, cool. I was like, I'm going to try and get a goal so I can like say, hey, that guy gets drafted. Brag about it. And then he got drafted by the Blues, obviously. So I was like, yeah, I beat that guy. And mind you, it was a garbage goal right from the net, but I'm nobody knows that until I said that. So um, the second it one matter. is it counts, bro. It counts. It, counts. I, it doesn't say garbage goal on the uh, score sheet, just yeah. says goal. So you know, you know how much uh, pretty goals are worth in a game? One. You know yeah. how uh, how much crap goal garbage goals are? One. One. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Scored, bro. That so the other one. Matter. So the other one, which is I've told on the podcast many times, but you guys can hear. We'll hear it again. So I played in a uh, floor hockey league a while back. So at the time, there was this really great team called, funnily, funny Mississippi, Mississippi Mud Snakes, which I always like laughed incessantly <laughs> for some reason. And uh, I heard a rumor that like, hey, Pat Maroon's brother plays on this team. Like, oh, cool. And rumor is Pat Maroon's playing this session. I'm like, no way. At the time, he played with Anaheim. He didn't get, mm-hmm. he or he just got traded to Edmonton. So you just Edmonton, and. Uh, I'm like, no way this dude is going to show up to a Maplewood floor hockey game on a Tuesday <laughs> night at 8.30. And I'm like, no way. I kid you not. There's Pat Maroon taking shots. And this team made us look like like what we were, a bunch of dudes trying to play floor hockey and just <laughs> schooled us nonstop. Pat Maroon, and it's, it's a basketball court. So literally, it's at the far end of basketball court. And our friend, you know, Mike uh, Manningly, her old friend, uh, yeah. He's in goal and he just rifles a shot from the other end and just beats him. And I just, from the bench, we're losing like 19 to one. Mind you, the one that we got was Pat Maroon turned around and fired a shot onto his own goal to score. So they continue the third period. So we wouldn't get mercy ruled so they can beat the crap out of us even more in the third period. Why didn't anyone stand there and go, Hey, you're in the NHL, dude. (laughs) Oh, it gets better. So I'm on the bench. And he scores this goal. And I yelled to Mike. I said, hey, you can put that on your resume. You got NHL score against you. He didn't hear that part of it. He said, Pat Rune heard, oh, put that on your resume. And comes over to me, gets in my face. He's like, you want to go? You want to effing go? And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, yeah. the dude, it's a big man. Like, yeah. I'm just like, no. And everybody's like, no, just chill out. And they, you know, kind of pull him away and stuff. And I'm sitting there like, I just probably had my life flash before my eyes super quick because that was a massive man that was yeah. just like ready to destroy me. Mind you, I heard there was a rumor. We'll say a rumor because I know it's true, but it's rumor that apparently a team would be outside. It was in a Salvation Army like gym and you couldn't bring alcohol in. They would sit out in their cars and just crush beers and then just come in and play hockey and beat the crap out of everybody. Like we lost Ooh, 20, yeah. we lost 22 to one. And after the game, I was like trying to say like, you know, good game. So, you know, good game. And he like, he wouldn't even shake him his hands. He's so pissed at what I said to him. And you know, I'm like, good game. I walked over to him, like, trying to be a good person. You know, like, oh, okay, good game, man. Like, good luck. And he's like, okay, whatever. Flash, flash, flash forward six months later, getting ready to take my daughter to Disney for the first time. Kid's super excited. Uh, sit down. And then all of a sudden, next to me, there's Pat Maroon and his son. And they were looking at each other and we're like, I know who he is, but he can't remember who I am, but he knows he knows yeah. me from somewhere. So I'm like, I'm going to go sit on the other side real quick because 
I don't know what's going to happen. And funny, he like sat right in front of us in the plane and stuff. And it was just funny. So I would joke around. So our joke on the podcast is floor hockey legend, Pat Maroon, now Stanley Cup legend with three cups and, and officially my Disney buddy. So, uh, you know what you're, if you almost got into a fight with him, he and I would have definitely gotten into a fight because after he was taking floor hockey so serious, I probably just would have stood there and be like, you are in the NHL, the top tier yeah. of hockey, and you're here taking floor hockey as serious as you're taking it. Yeah. Like, and the best part was, what's wrong with you? And the best part is a bunch of like other guys on the team who we got the brakes beat off of us. And we go to like a, you know, bar afterwards up the street. And they're like, you know what I'm going to do to be funny? Hey, guys, let's tag Pat Maroon and tell him how good of a game he had on social media. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody tagged him and said, Hey Pat, really nice goalie score floor hockey tonight. And they would tag them. And at the time it was Edmonton, tagged Edmonton and all and the thing. It's like, I'm sure his contract didn't have that in there. I mean, he kept, apparently kept playing. He only played the rest of that session and then he never played again. But uh yeah, but Pat, uh yeah, that was the legend of Pat Maroon before he became the St. Louis, became a legend, uh, obviously in St. Louis. So that's our that's my and then fun uh, story. went on to destroy the uh the, break the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and he actually hit So he before he won a Stanley Cup, he did have the. Uh, I, I don't think I have it anymore. I won. We did win eventually. Win one league championship. He did have a floor hockey league championship medal. So he did have that first before he had a Stanley Cup. I don't know what he. I don't know what he values more. But yeah. he does it's hard have to both. Say. But it is. But he does have both. So he does have three Stanley Cup rings now, and the and the floor hockey medal, which I'm sure are all in the same case together, yes. somewhere at his house. So, um, you remember when they used to make those profile blues posters where they would have the it would be like the 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 player standing full shot him and then would have all his accolades down the side, yeah. Then it had like a measuring tape next to it, wouldn't it? Yeah, someone needs to make one of Pat Maroon and include the floor hockey medals, that'd be awesome, and just send it to him. If I give me his address, I'll send it to him. I'll yeah, we'll it. find it. Yeah, we'll have to find him. He's probably still <laughs> he might be in Oakville still. Well, he's in Tampa right now, so maybe he'll be in Oakville yeah. during the summer. But yeah, so that's my funny story. So I, mean, I, I get it. What up. is that? He's got three now, three cups. Three, three cups in a row. So I really can't say much. Like, like I guess no matter what we say, he wins. I get yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's just always funny a fun story I like to tell. So it's always funny. So obviously, like you said, we do stupid stuff when we're younger, and obviously he was a, on the younger side when it happened. And yeah. So things happen, which I think is if funny. If I so. ever meet Pat Maroon, this is that's coming up. That's coming up. You're like, remember that floor that hockey when you I'm like why do I hear that somebody? you're acting like a horse's ass playing floor hockey? Yeah. Trying mm-hmm. to fight people that have kids, you idiot. Yeah. So uh good times. But yeah, so that's my funny story. So uh, we talked a little about blues hockey, but so I'll talk a little bit about uh your career, you know, that we've been up to since obviously uh uh, last time I kind of saw you for uh, like high schoolish, you know. So obviously, I caught up with you. I want to say might be before I had my kids. It might have been ten years ago now. At this point, it might have been grade Was it school reunion. I have a, a, one kid, so I have one kid. Don't try to put more of that evil on me. So just one kid. But uh, <laughs> so yeah. So um, is it before you had your old tribe? Yeah, before <laughs> I had my my gang of kids in there. But I uh, know. Um, but yeah, I think it was my heart. Maybe she was young. Anyway, I think it was like a grade school reunion. I haven't seen you forever. And I we remember just ran into each other at UMSL. Yeah, we went to UMSL back in the day because that's when I was finishing up degree and you were there. It was just random one night when I was taking night classes and you're taking night Walking across well. the bridge. Yeah, I think I was going. I had like a law class or something. I took that uh, contractual law. So that's why I would stick around. 
And I remember we were going, we were going across the bridge and we caught up. Yeah. So we caught up so a little bit that's there. That's what I remember was the last time. Yeah. That was the last time. And then uh, after that, then I remember we just kind of like, uh, yeah, talked. Well, I think, I think I want to say the great school reunion. You were at the great school reunion, right? Remember when we all go back together at some bar? I want to say, what, what's the bar? Yeah, but I want to. I want to say that that was way before we ran into each other at UMSL because yeah, I was possibly, still drinking. Yeah, okay. yeah I was still drinking gotcha. then, and that night, although fun, fun, although still, fun, man, correct. It was so, I still remember partying pretty hard, and like I, it's been eleven years since I've drank. So I that oh, I, congratulations, that man. That's first. great. Well, so. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's you got to make a decision if you want to stay out of jail or not. So you gotta, uh, that's a, it's a gotta, very wise decision. Then you got to cut this. <laughs> yeah. So but, uh, no, I know we ran into each other at Umsel, Um because yeah. you were, if I remember correctly, you were. It was a math class. You had to get a, a yeah an accounting that's, credit. Yeah, business calculus, which didn't I have not You're used yet. Smart. So which I still have not what? used. So yeah, believe it or it not, it doesn't matter. It's you, still there. It sounds good. I have a communications degree. That means I have a degree in talking to people. Well, I have a degree in being a manager and I am not a manager. So, you know, it works out. But if you need to be, you know what I mean? I am ready for it. I was a manager and I didn't have a degree in it. So you're already. So already there, but also minor in finance. But anyway, we'll talk. That's that's my credentials for everybody on the podcast now. But the thing that I want to talk about. Super educated dude. You need to, you need to wear that as a badge of honor, especially like anything with numbers. I think degrees are cool, but when your degree is anything to do with numbers or stats, or like percentages or anything like that. It, yeah. In my mind, you're automatically. That's you, probably and that's probably why I decided to do it because I just because of hockey, which I think that's one of the reasons why I was really good at numbers and hockey, remembering stats and talking hockey between all of us and stuff. And I was really good at that, and I'm just like, well, I'm figuring your way out in college, and I'm like, well, I'm really good at numbers. I might as well just go into that, and it worked out. So that's uh, kind of where that came from. But the reason I was trying to get back, we'll get into the full circle is. So, and you made your way out to, I don't know if, if you made your way out to LA yet after that, but you wound up making it onto uh, road rules. Yeah. That, all right. So that was, was that, that was before, after the um, way like, early. So, okay. Road rules was like, still in the, Mar- yeah, for my first, my first child still in the Marines. So this was like when I'm 21, so I was 24. Okay. When I did road rules. So that was like in 2007. And then, because they all, I knocked three shows out in like three straight years and then I just was done with it. So mm-hmm. it was like 2007, 2008, 2009-ish, 10-ish. So yeah, about 2007 is when uh, I answered a dare and it turned out to put me on MTV for, you know. Yeah, because I remember uh, the little like uh, group of us and everybody's like, see what Dan's up to? I'm like, no, I saw him. A, I was like, I haven't seen him in a while. Honestly, why? Like. Yeah, turn on turn on MTV right now. I'm like, okay. And there you are. I'm like, oh, look at that. Awesome. So yeah. So I thought that was uh yeah. So obviously you got that. And then it led into a couple of the something that I mean I honestly was really into is all those challenges. I was like, that's always like my like that's you know your comfort foods, you know. So you got your comfort foods yeah. that you always want to have something. That was my comfort food. I would like I would look forward to those and just watch those and they just would always entertain the hell out of me. So then all of a sudden watching one. And there you are. So it was kind of cool. And you want to be on two of those challenges. And from my, uh, because I do not have a great memory. So I had to, there's a Wikipedia page, believe it or not, for all this stuff. <laughs> Dude, have that, a lot of that Wikipedia stuff's wrong too. So that's according, what, that's according to a, this, you made through seven rounds. Is that correct? Seven rounds of. of on the, oh, excuse me, on the island, you made it to round eight. 
Yeah. Episode eight, I guess. I say round I've always eight, made it to the eight. end. Yeah, so you're pretty. I, far. I mean, that's pretty far. I mean, end. those are always like ten-ish episodes. Yeah, and then let's see. Then uh, let's see. And then the cutthroat. I thought it was Cutthroat Island, but that's a that's a like an old TV show I'm thinking of. But Cutthroat. Yeah, I think it's was a, the second is that one. A Muppet? Is that a Muppet? That movie? is cut. That is Cutthroat Island. That is a Muppet <laughs> movie. Yeah. Okay, so I knew I was going somewhere with it because I saw that. I'm like, how did they forget the island part? But that is true. Okay, so seven rounds on that one. So pretty far in both shows, man. That's for. I mean, for all intents and purposes, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I can perform decently enough on them uh, if I'm not highly intoxicated mm-hmm. and I'm good enough socially uh, that, you know, I mean, it, it benefits you, man. Like it's it, on those games, like someone is either going to start trying to play people right from the beginning mm-hmm. and like they can sense that and then they get rid of you or they fall for it and you make it to the end. So there's a lot of risk in that. I never did that. I just kind of showed up and did your thing. I treated it like we were going to summer camp. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, dude, I get to go to this other country and get paid money to compete in these like insane events that, you know, you'll never get to do this stuff yeah. on your own. So it was like, I just kind of always approached it as just having fun. And I think when you walk in like that, no one's threatened by that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I didn't pee, uh, you know, uh, 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 pee anybody off enough for them to get rid of me early. Uh, I was always semi entertaining when I was on them and I was physically, uh, dependable enough i guess yeah so so i guess looking back on those before i want to transition more into your uh stand-ups is that kind of doing stuff like that did that lead to kind of like what you wanted to do for the stand-up because i was kind of looking at some of the uh i guess the mtv write-up on you is what we want to say i guess what i saw so did the stand-up more spawn from doing the shows and kind of being in front of the camera that way and kind of being in front of people that way or is it more when you were in the Marines and you kind of, it was something you kind of did to help entertain everybody that was like uh, with your uh, troop? The Marines. No, it was, that- yeah. It was more, yeah, because the stand up. So pr- my pro wrestling and stand up all started before MTV. Mm-hmm. So uh, the stand up was started literally on while we were convoying up to Iraq. So it was like, we would stop and I would just impersonate everyone in our command, like all of our, mm-hmm. and even our command officers wanted to see it. And I just make little funny and uh, you're doing it in front of like all these guys, you're just trying to keep them happy in that way, you know, like, so I did that so much that I was like, when I got back, my buddy, uh, Matt White was just like, dude, we're signing you up for like the funny bone, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was like, all right. And I, you know, went up and did like an open mic or something. And I like, I was in love with it, man. That was it. It was like, you know, I always liked the storytelling element. People, I mean, you've always known me. I've always been a storyteller, dude. Mm-hmm. Like I've always never was shy of, a, you know, an audience and always, you know, but uh, wrestling and stand up was fun because you bring your element of reality. in. You just can't like you could everybody. We are not as unique as we think we are. You know what I mean? And, and the fact that like we all do, the same stupid things Mm -hmm. in one form or another. So the fun part about stand-up to me was always just outing myself for doing things that I know other people did because someone just has to take, jump on the grenade and be the brunt of the joke. But when you do that, everybody laughs at you, but secretly they're laughing at themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. but they can like fixate it. And I liked that. I always liked that was like, give someone the out so they could save their own, like, but then let them laugh about something we all do. You know, it's like, it's just, and that part always just intrigued me. And then so getting that, it's 
it's kind of the same thing, man. Like I always told people when I was wrestling and when I was doing comedy, they're so similar in a lot of ways. Because whenever you do something, you get an immediate reaction from the crowd. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like you do it and they either like it, they boo it, they cheer it, they laugh, they don't do it. You know immediately. And so you get that like that dopamine release, you know, and it's like almost like a drug, man. So you're like, and then, I mean, if you're like, I, I like people. I've always liked people. I've always liked to, you know, analyze people and stuff. So kind of trying to figure out what makes them laugh, what doesn't make them laugh, how to like mm-hmm. not control them. Cause that sounds like egotistical, but like, yeah, essentially like how to, how to get them to do what you need them to do when you need them to do it. Yeah. I think that's, but, I, think that's like, a, I think that's a sign of a really good performer. So you can read the room and then Kate, like not cater to the room, but like get the room to like get behind you kind of like, we'll bring back to wrestling kind of a baby face. Just like you get to the point where you're just trying to get to the point. You want to get the crowd behind you defeat the bad same guy. thing with that same thing with the bad guy the bad guy has more to do with that than people think because mm-hmm. he has to make everything you think the baby face is doing the bad guy is making that a reality too mm-hmm. because i was i started my wrestling off as a baby face mm-hmm. uh and then my ending probably where i went the farthest with it was as a, as a bad guy as a heel mm-hmm. and literally Trust me, when I was yelling at him or I was I was setting up for something that the baby face was going to do that was going to make them go crazy. Okay, you know, and it's like and it's silly stuff like keep getting out of the ring when he's about to hit you and stretch. Really get the crowd mad. Go in, run Mm -hmm. out, go in, go out. So when he finally punches you, the crowd goes nuts. And all he did was punch you. Yeah, that's it. That's why, like nowadays wrestling. I don't get it. They do like 56 450 flips and it gets like a moderate crowd reaction. And it's like stone cold used to go down to the ring and so did the rock and they would kick and punch, kick and punch, kick and punch. And they had that crowd doing that. They had that crowd crazier than any of these modern guys have ever gotten that crowd. Yeah. And I, I don't agree with that. It's changed. The crowds are different. No, I just agree that they hit on something human. And these other guys now have made it so not realistic. That we don't even care. Yeah. And that's what it is. And that's what comedy is. It's, it's you gotta you gotta hit him somewhere, you know. Stone Cold was the working man against, you know, against against the boss. Yeah. The boss. That was it. That's why everyone loved him. He was that crazy uncle that everyone had, you know, that like, you know, your dad had to go get in the middle of the night or whatever because he got into a fire. Mm-hmm. Like that's everyone knew someone kind of not exaggerated, but they knew someone. The rock is like everyone knew the guy in high school. That was like the charming, you know, jock, like, yeah, exactly. They all were something. And that's it. Whether you knew it or not, when you see that you react, even though, you know, it's a show, it's the whole, like in wrestling, they'll always tell you uh, suspension of disbelief, you know, it's fake, but somehow you're still reacting. Yeah, yeah. And so as a, as a bad guy, as a heel, that's why I said without Roddy Piper, I don't think Hulkamania would have ever been as big as it was. Yeah. I can agree with that too. So that's my whole thing. Without The Rock, Stone I mean, Stone Cold really shot through the roof, you know, in 99, but The Rock is a big part of that. He's chasing The Rock. The Rock, Mick Foley's career, you know, shot through the roof even more with The Rock. You mm-hmm. know, with every good guy, there's a bad guy there that highlight, you know what I'm saying? That's why back in that business, in the business days, the babyface and the heel would be in business together. Mm-hmm. So the heel obviously is going to be the only one selling merchandise, but he would split it with the heel he's working with. So that gave the heel the incentive to make the baby face even more over with the crowd. So it's like, you know, that was their, that was their business agreement. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And and stand up is the same way. It's like, in the end, I really want people to have a good time at the show. 
right? Mm -hmm. I really want him to. I don't care. I'm not one of these guys that wants to make this political statement or be this like punk rock or revolutionary. Dude, my thing is you pay to have fun. All right. So my job is to make you have fun. And so I like to watch the crowds and I, you know, you get to know people and you kind of see how they are. And you're like, I bet you they would really like this. Or I bet you this is something that. And so that's how you tell your stories. That's how you bring out. It's like anything, you know, like when you're going to meet your, you know, probably your wife now, but you want to meet like her family. You get a feel for how they are. And then when Mm -hmm. you want to chime in with story time or talking with them, you know what to bring up. Yeah. You know, what's going to upon just do that with 200 people. That's, yeah. I mean, you're going to have to take kind of a, but that's fun. That's fun to like, and sometimes man, like now I'm getting to the point where I'm pretty good at it all the time as far mm-hmm. as like reading, but like in the beginning it was, it was terrifying because yeah, sometimes you guessed completely wrong. And then just, <laughs> the, just yeah, not, silence, silence is like the, probably the worst thing to possibly hear. I wish they'd boo you more than like I did a show the other night and the crowd was fine. And we were having a good time, but like, basically the show was like, they called it a celebrity drop. So like in in LA, I'm like, you know, like the funny bones, great. Like in St. Louis now, because you go and you see probably three acts, mm-hmm. three, maybe four, you have a headliner in LA. A lot of people live out here because it's Hollywood. So you're going to see like five or six pretty big names. And then there's people like me sprinkled in between them. Right. So I think on the show that I was on, it was, I think all in all, I want to be in like, eight to 10 comics, but wow. like three of them were like literally in movies right now that are coming out, you know, and stuff. So there was this high, like stimulus that everybody was on. So like, by the time you got to the end of the show, people were almost like tired, you mm-hmm. know? So just like everybody kind of went back. So it was just weird when I got up there and I'm, and like I said, it wasn't bad, but when you see a big room, you think it should be way louder, but they're tired. Oh, so yeah. It's like, you're, they're laughing. But you're like, you've you've said this, you've had this discussion and it's like totally killed way harder and it's not for some reason and you can't figure it out. Exactly, you know? yeah. So you're like, so, but like, you just got to remind yourself and that's where time comes in. It's like last night, I was like, okay. You know, I kind of got in and started talking. Everyone was like laughing, but they're kind of like, uh, you know, and I felt like it was just okay. And then like afterwards, there was like a guy who was like, you know, an animator and they all came up and were like in line. And like, oh God, great show. I loved it, blah, blah, blah. But you're like, I didn't expect that feedback because of what, the mood of the room was yeah but also they were overstimulated they were tired it wasn't that they were having fun you know because the feedback was good but as a comedian like learning that because if you're if you don't learn that and you jump up there and you're in that situation and it goes it's not you'll freak out dude because you have so much time that they're paying you for that they're Mm -hmm. doing you know what i'm saying so it's like you can't just get off stage I, you, you. I mean, you have an agreement. So it's like, you yeah, start, yeah, like, yeah, to keep going. Yeah. This is going to be bad. And like, God, there's definitely been uh, what they call hair gigs, man, where you just, you know, either, like I said, most of the time I've been very lucky lately. It's just usually because people are tired or they're, you know, that's why when you go to like it, it, smart comedians will jockey for the right place in the, in the, in the card, you learn mm-hmm. that. It's like, you want to yeah. go number seven or you want to go number five, six or seven. That's when the crowd's going to be the best. When okay. you're eight, nine or 10, oh, dude, they're, Dead tired. Dead tired. One and two, three. They haven't warmed up yet. So there's that sweet spot. It's almost like a lineup. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So yeah, yeah. yeah. You learn all that stuff. So it's fine, man. It's it's it, before I rambled all that. It's that's what you're. That's what you learn. That's what you you do. And that's like what's intriguing. That's like if I could ever say what makes it so much fun is it's it's it, it's not a fun industry. 
I would say it, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, is not great about it. You know, as far as like the uh, competition factor, it can be very cold. It can be very, you know, and uh, you definitely got to know you love it. You know what I mean? You got to yeah. have thick skin and know you love it. But the performing part is fun all the time. Even if it doesn't go great, you learn something. You know what I mean? So oh, that's cool. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, when you uh, work on work on stuff, because I know, like, just listening to comics and just kind of being a fan, like, I watched a lot of, like, different stand-up specials and just listening to guys kind of talk. Do you have, like, uh, something, like, I say calling workshop things, I guess. Do you have, is it, uh, is it always, like, an evolving act that you kind of work on, or is it kind of like, like you say, you're just kind of, like, reading the room and you had to have, like, a, you know, a blueprint of how you, you know, a bullet point kind of how you like, work off of, and then that night you're working on, the first section because you have only five minutes to work with and then you know if you have longer you can kind of push it a little longer so are you constantly kind of workshopping things and then kind of like pulling things out and putting things in is that kind of like how you work on uh your stand-up because i know that's kind of i've you know just listening to other comics talk is that kind of how you approach things as well yeah i mean that's that's pretty that's pretty right on because it's like um it's like any business you have different clients right so mm-hmm. you got to have something for everybody so with me, it's like you, you get these ideas, you know, like something you think is really funny and you kind of start to work on it and you fit it in whenever you can to kind of, yeah. And you're, it is, it's got to get bigger. Like it's, you may just have an initial idea, right? Um, like I just did, uh, I started off with an idea just as an example is the Mandela effect. This is like my latest little bit. Do you know what the Mandela yeah, effect yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it all just, it started with just the Berenstein Bears and Berenstein Bears one. Okay, yeah. All right, which I kept laughing because I just turned it into a whole thing of people arguing, going, no, it's Berenstein, not Berenstein. It's Berenstein. Those bears were Jews when I was a kid, you know, (laughs) because, you know, and it's like, it's just something silly like that, that people get so worked up over something because we're so arrogant. The fact Mm -hmm. that we can't just say, maybe we heard it wrong. Yeah. Maybe the teachers that read it to us, they were used to seeing Steen and Stein. So they pronounce it. And that's what yeah. we heard. We can't. No, no, no. There's literally people that believe it's because of parallel universes and time travel. Mm-hmm. There's literally a whole thing, which is hilarious to me that like, cause you're thinking to yourself, how do you present that in a, at a, at like a science, uh, a convention yeah, yeah. in Geneva. You're like, yeah, yes, no, time travel is true. And exhibit a, shazam starring sinbad you know yeah yeah yeah. it doesn't make any sense but it started off honestly with just the berenstein bears one and then Mm -hmm. it is just starting to work its way into this grabbing all of them and just kind of making fun of us just being so arrogant as to like because nowadays nothing just is a mistake everything is a conspiracy everything is a it is it's all worked so just to look back and 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 just make fun of where we started taking ourselves that serious like why and like so that's been my new thing so it went from like kind of like a two minute thing to like this five minute thing and you just kind of build it up but there's going to be parts of it you know that you get into that aren't going to always appeal to other people if you have a super young crowd they're not going to know about sinbad and shazam or or anything embarrassing bears yeah yeah yeah, it's like so you got to find another one of those to like, you know, but then by doing that, you've now built this long joke. Because mm-hmm. when you go into like, you know, if I go back to well, really any major city, right? And you're doing like a weekend, you're going to have a pretty good mix of like anyone from, you know, 21 to, you know, 60 in there. Yeah. So if you have so building that, now you have this awesome joke for everyone that's in the room. 
But to get there, sometimes you're playing rooms that are only 21 years old, that are yeah. only 30, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, yeah so that's you true. Work your way in. You're literally working it in. And then you just got to know, man, like, you know, there's times I walk into a room and I can look at the crowd, man. And I'm like, these people are not going to think certain things are funny. Or, you know, there's just the crowd that you're like, they're just looking for something to be pissed off about. Yeah. So you got to kind of have fun with it, but then don't hit on things that are going to freak them out because it's just not worth it at this gotcha. point. You know what I mean? Like, and when you're like, when you're a comedian, that is like where I'm at, where you're trying to really hit and get your, your name out there. You really got to play by the rules because that's how you're getting the most shows and that's how you get better. And that's how you get your name out there. Mm-hmm. What's cool is like, once you get your name out there, you pick your audience. You know, so you can kind of that's when you're watching like our comedic favorites really just stick to whatever they want to do because but they've earned that they've built that crowd and that's why they can do it. But unfortunately, I'm sitting I'm sitting in a city that gets offended by everything and I'm trying to build myself in an industry that everyone gets offended by. So uh, it's not always the most fun, but like comedy in general is fun. You know what I mean? It's just. Yeah, well, even it's, a cha- worst, it's, cha- it's, it's almost like a challenge then too. At the same time, where it's it like, is. yeah, where it's like fun, but also a challenge where you have to work for it, and then it's almost more satisfying when you do get that laugh and a really good, you know. If you I know, can kill it with a, yeah, if I can kill it with a crowd that just almost doesn't want to have fun, you're gonna be able to just, you know, that's why I always love coming back to St. Louis because mm. it's, dude, I love. And like everyone always says, like the St. Louis funny bone, just with how we are. We, I mean, like the middle of the country is this, you know, it, it's this crossroads of like East Coast, West. You know what I mean? Like there is a yeah. lot, it's a lot more diverse in thinking than people think it is. But one thing that everyone in St. Louis has in common is that when it comes Friday, Thursday, Friday, they've been working all week, they want to have a couple of beers and they want to, they, they want to laugh. You know what I mean? They're not out to solve the world's problem, to be an internet activist, to be, t- you know what I mean? They don't care. They're just, they want to have a good time. These yep. are honest, hardworking people that literally don't have the time to be worried about stupid, petty stuff. So when you get out there with them, as long as you're like having a good time, you can really hit them with anything and they love it and they'll laugh and they get into it. And that's why, I mean, I was, there's certain places like coming up, uh, you know, in the fall, it's like, I'm going to have shows in places like possibly like South Dakota, North Dakota, St. Louis, uh, you know, places. I love those. Anytime I can kind of not to rag on LA for too much, but it's such an industry heavy city mm-hmm. that it's almost like you literally feel like every stand up you're doing is like, you're doing it on America's got talent. You know, like you're being watched and not, and like analyzed commercially, like, Oh, yeah. could we use this? So as you go to these other places and it's like, dude, these people don't have time for any of that crap. You know what I mean? They got families, they got, they got, yeah. they got patios they're putting in, dude. Correct. You know yeah, exactly. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They want, they just want you to just, they want to go somewhere for two hours and have a good time. And that's yep. it. And that, and those, those are the best, best crowds. So you always got to remember that's who you're playing to. That's who you're, you just got to play this other game with all these other guys so that you can get to a point where you can perform in front of more crowds like that, you know, and that's, Perfect. that's really all it is, man. Awesome. But yeah, well, let us know for sure when you're going to swing through St. Louis. We'll put those dates out there for you. And uh, and I'll definitely be out there to come see you for sure. So before we get close to wrapping this up and uh, you may not know, but this on the podcast, two things we do here. So obviously mostly hockey because obviously Blues Hockey Podcast. One we like to mm-hmm. talk about is uh, both Chris and my co-host who is not here, unfortunately. Where is Chris? I, I've heard this Chris. He's not here. Yeah, Chris is uh, uh, he's currently. I think he's on his way back from Nashville. He had a she was a uh, he had to do the 
was this weekend hailstorm he's he's in the music industry so he had to go oh he had to go deal with hailstorm this weekend so okay i was just i was so scared you're gonna be like uh he's sick yeah Man, no he's, he's in a, the hospital he, he is currently he on his way back because uh, i asked him i was like you available tonight he's like no i'm literally on my way back and i'm crashing when i get home because i've had been in Nashville <laughs> for four days with his whole company got all together for the first time in a long time so anyway he is uh tired and we will be recording a show tomorrow during the expansion draft uh maybe live to tape so that'll be fun to do so oh this is this is where we're gonna find out who uh seattle picks up yeah so looking like it's going to be uh well we'll, we're, we'll do the seattle talk in a second we'll do my point that i was gonna do beforehand uh so one thing that we do love to talk about here is like both chris and i are big wrestling fans so um you obviously it was wrestling, you know, early on. They said early wrestling, stand up, road rules challenge stuff, stand up is where we're at now. So going back to wrestling, do you have because I know that was you wrestling for quite some time too. So we can go, we can do 14 we can probably years, do another yeah. podcast there on just rear wrestling, <laughs> honestly. Uh, because I listened to a couple of your podcasts that we're, we'll talk about that to uh Dan and Agr- Abram versus life that I'm uh, listening to like your background. So I was listening to that one because I was trying to see, uh, you know, a little bit more about the the time I missed of Dan Walsh. And it, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you right now. It's like mm-hmm. I had to really focus today and not to say Danny all the time because, you know, that's what I did when growing up. So I really had to focus re- like you, I couldn't tell you like the amount of times I kept saying it over and over again. And my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm really focusing because. I want to say because that's like what I grew up. That's why you, you know, honestly can call me Danny. It, it doesn't like Michael. Oh, I know, but it's, it's one of those things a, where I just it's, it's one of those things. Where it wasn't like, one of those where like it was like this whole like like I don't call me Dan- no like I I get called Daniel Danny Annie. I just picked that uh, as like a, the run run with it. Yeah, I got you. I it's got the you. run with it, but like in all honesty, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, care, it's just funny because all those things where I'm just like. I was like, I should ask him, but I'm like, I'll just say Dan and just be, you know, you know, be professional because that's what I am. So for being refer wrestling back to that. So do you have some memory that sticks out you a match that sticks out? Like, was it maybe a championship match that you had? Because I know that you were a title holder from uh, what I could see. Do you have a match that sticks out there, like a championship match that is like one of your favorites? Or do you have a favorite match that you can look back fondly on? And then you're like, man, I'll, that was a badass match that I was in. I mean, I have, I, to be honest with you, there's a few for different reasons. Um, like, I won the um, the Central States title, which was the old NWA Central States title, which if you go back to that history, that's mm-hmm. like Bob Orton. and That's a huge title, yeah. Yeah, and I got to win that uh, on, a, on Metro Pro Television, uh, and, and it was out of Kansas City. What I love the most about it, is the guy that I got to feud with for that is one of the most talented wrestlers I've ever seen. And he wound up going into WWE. He wound up going on to NXT and uh, it didn't end well. Uh, there was a controversy as far as a, a, a t-shirt and the t-shirt being racist. And he really like, and I don't want to jump too much on it because I do. He's a friend and I wasn't there and I don't know, but I will tell you this, ACH, Jordan Mile, whatever, however you know him, call, in yeah. the ring is one of the most fun people to wrestle. And like, he's so, just so gifted, so good. And he gets it. He mm-hmm. gets it. Because me, I always joke around and this is where he and I always laugh. I like being the diabolical bad guy and he likes being the superhero. Mm-hmm. That's how he likes it. So when we're together, 
it's just when we get in the ring, it is literally like two alter egos fighting each other for real. It's not as much. I think it really is. It's just us feeding off of each other. And uh, that feud was so much fun. It was, he really is a next level wrestler. And it was just, and to watch And And I, I think a great person because he was someone that I knew I worked a couple of different companies with him and got to just watch him evolve. And like, even through ring of honor and everything. And it just a great worker. So that, that stands out to me because it was so much fun because mm-hmm. he was such a fun dude. Uh, everyone I was working with at the time was someone, my manager, magic man, who has like an amazing frigging resume and could tell you all this crazy. This guy's like a legend in Japan. Like, mm-hmm. I know that we use that, but he really is. Like oh, I did awesome. a show with Christopher Daniels one time and Christopher Daniels saw a picture of him. It was like, how do you know magic man? And I was like, get out of here. He goes, no, man, this dude is a legend. It's really? like, that's, that's awesome. how. So just the people we were around at that time, it was so much fun. Um, I was getting some really cool uh, hit, like really cool, uh, I'd say coaching, would say from some really cool people at that time. Like I believe mm-hmm. uh, Trevor Murdoch who was a WWE tag team champion. And that was, it was back there. So it was like, it was a really cool time in my life. It was, it was a lot of fun working uh, that title alone, just with the prestige of it was really neat. And then just to work with someone that was like top caliber was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, there was times where I was wrestling for this group called Anarchy, which was uh, really at the time it started off as that kind of the new age ECW where there was no rules. It was very risky. It was very, and man, I'll tell you what, some of the most brutal matches I've ever wrestled in my life, meaning like chairs, thumbtacks, chains. And I mean, like, wow. dude, messing my, you know, like I still have scars from that place, but it was like, we were trying to build this thing, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it was like your emotional investments in it. And then I was one of their first champions. And now it's literally a company that if you get on like internet wrestling television, it's one of them that's covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's covered in pretty much all the like the uh, dirt sheets and stuff like that. It grew, but I felt like I was one of the first people, like we were the first ones to build. Gotcha. So, that's gotcha. awesome. That's awesome. So there's literally a match. If you ever look at my Facebook or anything like that, where you see me just bleeding like crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's because like the guy I'm wrestling takes a chair, like a ladder. And when you're in wrestling, there's really no way to fake a ladder. To be honest with you, because it's so like the way it moves, it's hard to control it. And I basically he chucked it and like smacked me right in the head and just like a gash. And we're like, we're talking right in the beginning. So I'm bleeding all over the place. And like, he's literally like, I have to stay calm, keep blood out of my eye and just keep going. No, and we started throwing each other through tables. It just was, I remember at one point we're going through the crowd and there's an adult that literally goes, this is too much. Like was almost like going to throw up. And like that, I wear that as like a, just a badge of pride. Oh yeah. But also he and I had like, had like a year long feud. So this wasn't like, it was just one night. Just one night. It's like, yeah, like a random Saturday. Very big buildup. Yeah. Yeah. And there's two places like that, that I wrestled where there's a very big buildup and uh, ended brutally. Uh, Another one was in Dynamo. I won a Dynamo heavyweight championship, which was like my, so Dynamo Anarchy championship, uh, Central State championship were the three that had uh, the Dynamo one was a year long feud. Um, I had started with that company in like 2004 and it evolved into other. So this was like an, another emotional moment, but the guy I was wrestling, uh, we wanted to bring in a thousand thumbtacks and it, uh, it just got out of control. And, uh, but it was brutal. It was fun. Um, like I said, it's always better when you're in a place where there's like an emote, like you get to know the crowd, you feel them there. They've got an emotional attachment with you. Because it's like watching their favorite TV show. They know the cast. Mm-hmm. So that stuff's fun. Uh, I got to wrestle Colt Cabana, who I believe is in AEW now. I'm He's in sure. AEW, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I beat Cole Cabana first off. So you know, <laughs> we, we talk about you beat Pat Maroon. You yeah, go yeah. back and watch uh, uh, PWCS wrestling. Uh, I beat uh, Cole, Cole Cabana. Cabana. That's awesome. Now, uh, granted, maybe there are some interferences. We don't know. <laughs> we, I don't like, I said, it's, like I said, in the book, it says W. That's all that matters. So. Yeah. Um, another cool thing was the, the legend Harley race. Before he passed, like I got to go wrestle for uh, WLW, which was his company in school and everything. I mm -hmm. very short time. And I tell the story. I've told it multiple times, but it's one of my favorite ones because Harley Race is one of those guys where he, he's scary. He's just scary. Like he is. He's like Paul Bunyan. But like mm -hmm. in real life, man, he's like everything Clint Eastwood tries to be. He's just like an intimidating that even so when the man had two leg braces and was in a wheelchair, he still scared the crap out of me oh, yeah. because the way you just like stare at you and stuff. So I was wrestling with him. Or I was on my first show with him and I was in the ring with this guy. And basically what had happened was the guy I was wrestling was actually looked great. Like was an amazing, looked like a million bucks could wrestle, you know, like, but wasn't there's, there's some things that he wasn't the most charismatic. Okay. So, and I'm the, yeah, I, I'm very charismatic. So what had happened is we we're in the small town and just somehow, I guess they always read people being charismatic. We're just arrogant. So he was supposed to be, he'll also be the face, but literally the crowd hated me, loved him. So we just decided <laughs> midway through, we just go with it, man. So in the confusion, I could tell he was kind of, was kind of, he was thrown off by it to where I was just kind of like going on the fly. Uh, we had a miscommunication um, going into the corner and I could see him coming, but I could see that he wasn't 100% sure and this is where wrestling can go really wrong. It's when two unsure people run half ass into a move. That's just where something bad's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I know this doesn't make much logic, but I just remember looking at him and I just ran full speed into him. And I threw the hardest clothesline that I could throw. So regardless of what he was going to do, he was going to get my clothesline. Yeah. So And he wound up doing the same thing. So we just took each other's heads off. So the crowd is like, holy cow, you know, like, but we're pretty, and I, and I'm so nervous because I'm working for a Harley race and I, you know, it's my first you know chance to do this. And, and, and I remember it's like rolling over and he's across the floor sitting at the merchandise stand and Jason, he's just staring at me, like staring through me. And it like, I've never, usually when I'm wrestling and my adrenaline's going, I don't freak out about anything. Hmm. And I just looked at him and I scared me. Like I've been covered in my own blood, Jason, with a got with a gapped open head, and I remained calm. This guy staring at me, I was like, he knows, he knows I screwed up. He's yeah. mad that I changed into a, a, a baby. Like all this stuff's going through my head. So even as we're finishing the match, that's just sitting and it just intimidated the crap out of me. And so when I got done, like the, the showrunner comes up and you know, and I was like, hey man, can you? Because they always call Harley, they call Harley boss or champ. That's what mm -hmm. you call. It. You don't call him Harley. So I was like. Hey man, is the boss mad at me? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, yeah, I mean, he was staring at me, like staring through me. I think he looked like he was pissed. And the guy like laughed and looked at me and he goes, son, Harley looks at the mailman that way. And I was <laughs> like, okay. And then, yeah, I wrestled like probably two or three more shows, like uh, within a few months. And it was, man. Every time that guy was there, he just looked well, you like you wanted you. to kill everybody. So it's That's like, funny. that was so much fun to do. It was like to to wrestle in front of him. I got to wrestle uh, Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins. Mm -hmm. He ran um, Resistance Pro. I got to go up to Chicago and work a couple shows there. And um, dude, literally he was my match agent. That's so awesome. like I'm sitting there talking with Billy Corgan the whole time. You just got to keep yourself from geeking out. I imagine, and yeah. I'll be honest with you, I don't even remember any of the shit he said to me, but I was just like going at your Billy Corgan. But I just listened. Yeah, like, no, yeah I you're like, yeah, I so, imagine that. Um, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot there, man. There's a lot of really cool moments. Uh, another one i was going to wrestle a friend uh, who had called me last minute I was like hey man can you get up to this you know uh, uh, in illinois 
uh, I need an opponent. Uh, they're short somebody. So I like got in the car. I drove up there. I literally got in and I'm in the back. I don't really know anything about the show we're on. I just know who I'm wrestling. Uh, we're kind of sitting down and he's like, all right, what do you want to do, man? When we get out there is what's going to happen. We're going to do this, this and we're just going to wrestle. And I said, okay, he goes, but let's start off like this and get the crowd into it. And I said, all right, yeah, whatever. So I'm tying my boots or whatever, listening, had that in my head. And I get up and when you're, when you go to the curtain, there's this long, um, this long hallway. And mm-hmm. I saw I, I'm in a rush to get into the, and you know, and I could hear the crowd as I go out, dude comes to the curtain, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase with the million dollar belt over his shoulder. And I was not ready for it. I didn't know he was there. And I like stopped and looked at him and I was, and I said, and I pardon my French. I said, holy shit, you're Ted DiBiase. <laughs> and it was like my whole childhood of like the, you know, like everything. The, yeah, I the just, belt. Yeah. And he was like, go get them, kid. They're hot. And he like, you know, kind of give me a pat on the show. And I just, and I walked out to the ring and we got in and it was, it was one of these really cool little, like where everyone's just kind of around and, uh, we started and I remember just tying up with the guy and I even like pushed him in the corner. I said, Pete, I don't remember a damn thing we talked about. So uh, sorry about that, man. Like I just <laughs> ran into, I just ran into Ted DiBiase. I forgot everything. So we just, you know what I mean? We just uh, stuck with what we knew and I knew it was still a good match. You know, that's awesome. what's cool about working with good professionals. is like, you you know what to do to, to entertain the crowd. But yeah, it was so cool seeing him unexpectedly. That'd be that, awesome. Like just shocked me. So uh no man a lot of really cool moments man i've had that's uh, awesome got to go get uh when i was still drinking got parties with jerry lynn uh cool. to a point where like me and jerry lynn were like boys dude like even when i was on road rules he called me uh so a lot of really cool uh friendships or you know partnerships and stuff like that with yeah. people that i never thought i would and um I mean, when it comes to wrestling, Jason, honestly, I could go on, like I said, a whole other podcast of just all the amazing things that I've done and mm-hmm. all the matches that meant something to me that, uh, that, that, that meant or changed me in the business or taught me a lesson in the business in some way. Uh, they're all in there, man. And, uh, so there's a lot, but I would say surrounding the titles yeah. and big names and that, that would be the three that would like definitely. Check out. That's awesome. Yeah. Up. That's cool. So, yeah. Like I said, we need to do another podcast. We might have to do that sometime. But uh, so yeah, we'll wrap. We'll start to slowly wrap it up here. So obviously, we kind of briefly mentioned. So tomorrow's the big expansion draft. So in the past, you really didn't care about expansion drafts because you pretty much were just getting rid of a player you didn't care about. But obviously, starting you know a few years ago, the Vegas expansion draft kind of changed everything. So now everybody really cares about who you lose. So the Blues lost David Perron a handful of years ago. So obviously, they went to the Stanley Cup final the first year. And been a pretty successful team overall, thanks to kind of you know, like if I they had could just figure out how to not choke in the conference finals. They could, they could, they could yeah. finally do and, it. And the thing is, like where I was, uh, somebody was saying, like I, re- I mean, I'm not a fan of the team either, but they're like, oh, they got all these really good players. Of course, they're going to do it. I'm like, well, they also paid 500 million dollars for a team to get in there. Plus, they had to get all this other stuff in there, so they can. They probably wanted special rules, and guess what? They had a smart GM who, you know played the other teams and got a Stanley cup winning goalie off the bat. Like any, mm-hmm. like when we were growing up, like Ottawa was the big, you know, expansion team. And they had like nobody's on their team and nobody cared. And it about went Alexander Dagg. And it was uh, like, yeah. And that was like their big <laughs> guy. And you're like, Oh man, that guy's going to be awesome. And he wasn't. So they, you know, they struggled for years and they still are trying to even get relevancy up there. So obviously a different set of rules. And now we get the Seattle Kraken, which I, I don't care what anybody says. I love that they picked that name. I, 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 I don't. love the jerseys. I hate the name. <laughs> I love I love it all, man. The jerseys are great, too. They did a great job with that. The Kraken, it's just one of those things where I'm like, 
that's the most ridiculous name they have of these like True. list of names. Yes. And I'm like, they need to pick that name because it's the most ridiculous out of all there. And that are the walleye, which I was just like, I get why they would pick that, but it was a, a fish. Yeah. A fish. Yeah. I get it. But at the same time, like, man, I pick Kraken. It'd be great. And then they pick the Kraken. I'm great. Like, I said it was such an AHL name. Oh, like, it is. Like, it does. Oh, it it's is. such an AHL, but like, or ECHL, NHL, even, like, uh, even God, we yeah. go that far back. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It's so bad. But I love it. I can't help it. I'm a sucker for that <laughs> stuff. So Seattle has to pick 30 players starting tomorrow. Um, crazily if you if after we won the cup we didn't even really get to talk about this so we will we might have to do another one about talk about the cup and your reaction to the cup but um if i told you after we won the cup that in a couple of years we would be putting vladimir tarasenko on the expansion draft list unprotected i think a lot of people would have said i if i said i'll bet my house on that they'd be losing their house right now because yeah none of us really expected that and obviously this relationship is now soured um, it looks like it's between uh, a couple of guys. So Tarasenko, Vince Dunn, uh, maybe Zach Sanford, hopefully. Um, but I guess in your what opinion, the, you, you can enlighten me a little bit more on this. What happened? Why is Tarasenko not so solid? So the, I the, just the missed long, something. Long, and I guess like, story, I don't get all short. the blues. Yeah, with you not really yeah. in town, I guess, I guess it makes yeah. it like really kind of in St. Louis. I think it's still a pretty decently big national story, but I think like it's so much focus in St. Louis. Because uh, obviously it's kind of the uh, I say the best sniper we've had since Brett Hall, obviously, and so he had he's had a, a crap ton of shoulder surgeries the last three years. He's had three shoulder surgery on the same shoulder too, not not spread apart, just on the same honestly, shoulder. Honestly, that's why I wasn't so upset about him. I'm like, this guy also comes with a lot of maintenance. Like, yeah, he has that's three. Where I'm like, eh, sometimes yeah. you gotta just. Yeah, let so, it go. Yeah, he you know looked like he kind of came back from it and then got hurt again. He said the Blues doctors messed things up. And um, Blues doctor said, no. Well, Blues said, no, we don't, we're not taking responsibility for it. And he went to the third shoulder surgery, was done by an outside, his own surgeon or whatever. He got a third or second opinion and they fixed it, uh, supposedly. I mean, obviously he's not played since then, but so he basically that trust doesn't happen. He didn't name captain either. Ryan O'Reilly got named captain after O'Reilly was only here for a couple of years. Um, I kind of get it to a small degree, but at the same time, it's hard to argue when the captain's supposed to be, as you know, from playing hockey, you're up there. Captain's like the identity of your team. So mm-hmm. we've usually your captain's how you want your team to play. And Ryan O'Reilly is like the hard, like kind of, you know, like it's maybe Doug Wade ish guy, hardworking, yeah. so has skill, never gives up on a puck, leads by example type of guy. Uh, not saying Tarasenko does that, but the Tarasenko hasn't really been, you know. He's I fragile think, though, too. He had concussion issues the first two seasons, didn't yeah. he? Like, wasn't he? Yeah, he had for, concussions I mean, he and stuff. He had uh, yeah, shoulder. I, know it's I think a tough a knee. sport, but but he's but, he's had some. He's been banged up to say the least. So a lot of a lot of things have added up, and I think he's just finally him and the, I think the Blues are going to shop him anyway. And I think him asking for a trade has just made it obviously. Uh, Harder for the Blues to shop him now, even harder with trying to sell a guy with um, three shoulder, a bad shoulder. I mean, I don't, let's say I'm not saying a bad shoulder, but obviously you work on something for three times. It's gonna, yeah. it's gonna be tough to play. No matter what sport you're playing, it's gonna be tough. Do you think? And this is just asking. Protect him, and then try and grab a number one draft pick for him. At least because Seattle still hold. Unless did they change the rules where they still will get the number one? They got the chance the to get it. Draft? They got the chance to get it. So they are going to be picking number two, which that draft is Friday. So they're probably going to get 
um, the second best, well, the second, obviously the second best player. So the top player is going to be a defenseman and this other guy that's out of Michigan and uh, Michigan university, Matt uh, Beneers, I believe his name is. And I think that's going to be the second pick. So um, I think the thing they're trying to do, and it's, it's, there's so many like levels of this is like almost like layers. It's like an onion right now. It's a Tarasenko thing. It's like, well, the blues are just un- left them unprotected to, um, possibly if they take them well then there's 7.5 million dollars they're not paying out yeah and now they have nearly 25 million dollars in cap room to go this offseason and get somebody like colorado's captain gabriel landiscog who is not getting right now having trouble finding a new contract in colorado and landiscog is kind of closer and good friends with o'reilly they're built from kind of the same mold that's kind of an interesting factor uh the rumor is apparently the Blues are been inquiring about uh, Keith Kachuk's son, Matt Kachuk, in the Calgary. So apparently they're trying to bring him back home. He's such a uh, crap disturber. I don't know, man. He's good, but like, yeah, he's uh, he doesn't he doesn't make too many friends on the ice uh, for sure. And that's where it's like I I love the I love the don't get me wrong. And part of getting underneath someone's skin is the game. But do you have it? Do, are you effective with it, or do you turn into a Sean Avery? Are you, you a pest? Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where you start to bring in more penalty minutes and negative uh, repercussions to your actions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, like good. Sean Avery is definitely the one where it was just like way too – like it was just too much. Too much, man. Compared to somebody – like, and, and I'm not a fan of him by any means, but Brad Marchand does the perfect like line, in my opinion, right now. He's a guy who has skill and can back it up, but a guy gets under your skin enough that you can draw penalties and you hate to play against him. So yeah. I think he's kind of that guy right now that I look towards is – and Makachuk's getting there. He's had games where he does it perfectly. The other games where he's just running around like doing crazy stuff, and it's just he's like, still on, young, man. man. He still has that like, like we were talking about before, that young brain where it's like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I see it when I've watched, and I'm like, he is just stirring shit up for this. He almost looks like, uh, uh, I don't know, like a, I'm trying to think of the term we used to use it when we played. Uh, just a guy that was, I mean, they were, they were dirty players. They were, you didn't like them. You didn't respect them, but then there was guys that were good at irritating you and, yeah. and getting you to do what they want. Well, I say, do. I say pest. That's just like the, probably the best kind of like, it's yeah. Guy that are just you like, a pest or are you good at, because sometimes job, if yeah. you're not getting the results and all you're doing is racking up penalty minutes and you know what I mean? Like now you're just, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's like I said, it's that whole Sean Avery thing. I think Sean Avery, I don't even understand how he stayed there as long as he did, especially when I look back on his points, cumulative points and everything. And he got I don't a fat think contract was, from Dallas and everything. And I just don't think he was worth any of like there's, but like I said, we talked about this earlier. This is why we're not uh, GMs of the team. Correct. Now. Yeah. Just, so like I said, there's so many different layers to the, everything that's going on and you don't know what's going on. He tried to move Vince Dunn and Vince Dunn, he couldn't get a deal done. So it's one of those weird things where, and I feel like I've told other people and people on obviously on the podcast before i probably have way more trust in doug armstrong than a lot of people because a lot of people crap on him for like this whole situation that's come up um i'm just like listen man every time the blues have fallen flat on their face during a season or something's happened he's gone out and figured out what was wrong and addressed it and the blues have come back better the next season and had a shot at doing something then he did that last time they went out and got tyler bozak david perron Ryan O'Reilly. And we all know what happened after that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And when they didn't make the playoffs or before that, it's when he did the whole, he decided to ship out Oshi and kind of changed things. That's probably his trade. I don't really like, and, but he got Troy needed... Brower and, but he had to get him out because of just what was going on with the chemistry of the team. And mm-hmm. I think for Oshi's sake, he needed to get out of town because that dude was going to party way too much around here. Cause he was just not St. Louis worshiped him, but then it was like his rookie season when he's 15th and they're treating him like he's Gord, the second coming of Gordy. And it's like, he wasn't, he, he wasn't there in his brain or his heart with us. He needed to go somewhere mm-hmm. else. Yeah. And then and it, it worked just, out for him. Well I think great. that was great for him because I think it worked out. Went to Washington, got his cup. He and might get drafted with like Tarasenko. This might be, you know what? If he wants to go, go. You mm-hmm. know, maybe there's greatness. Sometimes uh, that, that player, and we've learned this hard way as mm-hmm. Blues fans, you, you're not going to get the greatness that someone can have from, you know, if there's somewhere they don't want to be or, or here. You know, we've watched everyone from Stevens. Brett Hall, you know what I mean? They left to go get the cup. They left mm-hmm. to go on to bigger and better things. Um, you, 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 no matter how long we kept them here, it wasn't going to happen here. So yeah. sometimes you just got to, all right, you go fulfill your dis- destiny however you want. Let's get someone in here that's going to, I mean, because look at our team in 2019 that won the Stanley Cup. Of all the hoopla that we have put behind players over the years, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to be the guy who saves it. This is going to be the guy. It was that team that won it. Yeah. And I'm not nothing against that team. That was a very good team. But that was a team that played like they were at gunpoint. And it wasn't long, one guy over everybody else. Yeah. 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 And that's out. what won it. And that was the difference. And so when seeing that, my whole thing was this is what the Blues have been doing wrong the entire time. And this is what the Blues needed to be doing. They needed to capitalize on just changing their strategy because that always killed me at the Blues. The Blues kept the same strategy from day one walking into the playoffs. By that point, it's already seen. And that's why mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, even when they were winning president's trophies and getting knocked out in the first round, that was their mistake to whereas when you watched them for whatever reason that year, they just dude, they shot out of a cannon and it was, it was unseen. It was, it, no one had a time to adjust. And they were in my mind, I felt unstoppable because I think even when they were losing, they were losing because they couldn't control that, that explosion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it went awry and it counteracted, but all in all, the momentum was always going to push them over the finish line. I think they were just, they were a force of nature that year. And that was always what I was, and I think we've, we used to talk about this all the time. Winning the Stanley Cup is not about who's the best team. It's who gets hot at the right time. Exactly. And like Montreal this year, like Montreal this year, like they just barely got in and didn't do that well. And then all of a sudden just beat everybody until they ran into Tampa, who was rolling. yeah. Yeah. They didn't have a, yeah, I'm sorry, a buddy of mine that uh, he's from Montreal. And I was like, they don't stand a chance, dude. I think because he was real excited. I was, <laughs> I was like, it's <laughs> great. It was great for Canada. I say that much. It was great to see a Canadian team back in the finals after, you know, been almost what 25 year or whatever it was. Yeah. 20. They were 25. the last Canadian team to win a Stanley cup. Yeah. 92, 93, 93. So yeah, it's been a hot minute to say at least Patrick they Ball was were the, goalie. the last Canadian team to win a championship, a professional sports championship until Toronto won the NBA championship. Yeah. Cause the blue Jays, I think won 92 as well. Blue right. J- yeah. Blue Jays were, I think they were the same as Canadian. They, their yeah, their second World series yeah. was 93. Yeah. yeah. So they, yeah, so it's been a been a hot minute for anybody, any Canadian team. So it was good for the, I think good for Canadian fans to kind of see a team, maybe not their team. Cause obviously Toronto fans and Calgary fans, Edmonton fans, Vancouver fans, not exactly happy, but at the same time, not hey, like in Montreal, yeah, but Hey, I, at least I get a Canadian team to root for in the, uh, in the finals but so since you talked about it and i just want to bring it up since we're just rolling um 
So Blues win the Cup, June 12th, 2019. What were you doing when the Blues won the Cup? I was at my, I was in my apartment, and my roommate was from St. Louis as well at the time, and we were just watching it. And I was just like, I just remember telling him, even when they won the conference championship, it was the same thing. I just looked at it. I said, I can't believe this is happening. It felt yeah. like just like a, it felt like a parallel universe. I just couldn't wrap my head around it. I was like, because just being a blues fan. And I mean, blues also are guilty of having Stanley cup winning teams throughout the years. And just God knows what happened, you know, mm-hmm. like, dude, at one point it was at 91, 92, they had Gilmore, they had headache and they had uh, Stevens. They had, like you look back at that and team, like, and stuff like yeah, yeah they had, they had I mean, stack teams for a long time. I think two thousand or two thousand one was that when they, they two thousand one. It's when they won the President's Trophy, and, and they there were stacked was this, there. And dude, even now, you brought up a good point. This is also in the heyday of just Detroit having an unstoppable team, but there was a lot of Stanley Cup potential teams that were losing, uh, not necessarily because they were outplayed, outmatched, anything. Just they didn't show up, you yeah, know. And you yeah. watched that so much. So you're just that part of you is just ready for them to sadly, you know what I mean? It's oh, like yeah, being, no. it's, it's a jilted lover. You want to believe in them, but you've been hurt so many times that you're just like, I know it's, I was watching, but when it happened, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say when it, when it happened, I remember we were just staying like looking and it was like, I don't, it was, it, it sounds, and people think that I sound crazy talking about this because everyone at my job the next day knew that I would, oh, I talked about that for, like, they was a bit, and like I said, it's Los Angeles, not a lot of people are big hockey fans, a lot of migrants, so like, they didn't understand what a mm-hmm. big deal that that was for me and my, like, we were just, we were in this, like, we were so excited and we had no one else to really, like, other than yeah. back in St. Louis to be excited about. But it was just, oh, I can't, but I, it was like watching, just sitting there going, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. I was saying my reaction too. Yeah. And when they won, man, and when the, when it finally happened and you're just watching them take, and you, just watch them grab the cup. I was just like, I honestly think like, what was that last 30 minutes? I don't think either of us spoke. Mm-hmm. We just stared. Like, I, and it was just like, your brain's just trying to compute. Like, and I remember my dad talking to me. The next day goes, you guys hung in there for those guys so many years. And the time they finally do it, you're living in California. And I was like, I know it totally sucks. Like I even debated getting a flight home for the, uh, the parade for literally the parade. Cause I was just so, and it was just, I don't know, but it was, it was super cool to see. And it's like, yeah, it was surreal, man. It was definitely surreal. And like, yeah, but it was, yeah, you just, like you said, you grow up, and I and I could even imagine people older than us, you know, that have been blues yeah, fans has, since this... tickets or had season tickets for a long time. There's a couple of people yeah. that we know who've had season tickets for, you know, almost forty years, and you know, saw it, and we're just like in tears, and just you know, like if you remember, like what happened that night. So it was in Boston, but we sold out. No, well, what was it now? Enterprise Center was sold out completely mm-hmm. just to watch the game on a on a big screen they sold five dollar tickets and filled filled the place sold out so quickly they filled up half a bush stadium in the rain yeah to watch it on a big screen in bush stadium in the rain um i almost got tickets to that but as superstitious as hockey fans are as we are they only won games when i was sat on my couch when i got together with people or i tailgated they lost yeah. games in the finals so i literally 
my wife's like, well, you should go like be with a lot of people and be in the mix of people be a fun thing. And like, if it actually happens, I said, no, if that has, it doesn't, if it, they're going to lose, if I don't leave this couch, yeah. And she's like, you're dumb. And I was like, I know, but it's going to work. And they won. And that night, I'm I the had, same I way as you, man. Oh, if yeah, I dude. go out, if I, if I, if you anticipate it, it's going to blow up in your face. It was almost like the only place I wanted to watch it happen was in my apartment. Just yeah. he and I were probably the only people within, you know, miles upon miles who gave a crap because mm-hmm. a, we were hockey fans and we were from St. Louis. So it was like, it was our, you know what I mean? It was just, I don't know, man, it was surreal. That's, I was the same way. I was like, I'm going to, I just want to watch it here. I don't oh. want to come home for it. I don't want to do like, you know, but it, yeah, surreal, man. Surreal and I watched, I got, I streamed because someone was streaming uh, from inside the Scott trade or, or enterprise. Mm-hmm. They were streaming from ballpark village and they were streaming from the, the fields. And I was watching, we were watching all three of them. Yeah. So the reactions of each place as it, it happened. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, yeah, it, was it was crazy. It was crazy. It, it was like the equivalent of remember when Y2K hit and everybody, like they started, we were watching, they would put everyone's, New Year's Eve time changes. Yeah, to see if anything like happened. Starting for, to make sure if anything happened. I felt like it was just like that, but just watching people in St. Louis react to winning the Stanley Cup. And it's like, that yeah. was good. I, even saying that sentence didn't sound right. Yeah. It's, like, it I was, was like very, the uh, Blues won the Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah. I was very fortunate during that whole run that uh, my co host Chris has season tickets and he was very nice to take me. So I got to witness the double overtime Pat Maroon goal. Yeah. And when they won against San Jose to win the conference final. And I got to go to the only home ice Stanley Cup wins. I have that like ticket on my uh, wall here. That's like the only, you know. That was the first Stanley Cup win on home. Yeah, win. And people forget they went to three Stanley Cup finals and got swept in all three. Yeah, so that was first. And the first and only home win, I was like there. So I was always very excited. Like, so I have that to like kind of hold on to on. Top of that. I mean, that was a late night anyway, because I had a friend call me. He's like, All right, we're gonna get we're going downtown, we're getting all the merch we can. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And we drove downtown and just stood in the line outside, and just people were just in the street. And I think it was great, which remember Vancouver when they lost, remember just like torched the city. Dude, both you know? times. Yeah, both times so, they torched it. 94 yeah. and was it two eleven? Two thousand eleven. Yeah, yeah. So and then yeah. so everybody downtown, it was just great. Everybody was just so happy, like. Yeah, obviously now you think about this people, random people hugging you and stuff, just like, mm-hmm. I mean, when I, when they won, uh, the blues won against Dallas and Maroon scored, um, I had to do two rows behind me, jump and just land on top of us. And we always are holding <laughs> on, holding on to this guy. And this guy's just so happy that we like won. And we're just, and because he was a guy who sat near us the whole time. And you kind of like form this little bond with the people you sit around. Cause they're all kind of the same, you know, season ticket guys. And so you just like, I, don't, I couldn't tell you any of their names, but it's like, oh, hey, dude, what's going on? Like, but you knew the guy from those face that, you know, yeah. That, but yeah, so that run is always something that I think hopefully that you know, the Blues win another one in our lifetime. But I think that's one we'll always look back on and just be like, man, that was such a special run, special time. And every single player on that squad is always going to be like a special player. Like, even after I think that's, I mean, I have his jersey behind me, obviously, for Tarasenko, but even after what happens now with him, I think that's something down the line when they have the what 20 year anniversary of the blues first Stanley cup yeah. thing, you know, he'll be welcome back with open arms. And I think blues fans will, you know, 
have short have, memories uh, and be uh, very happy to I see think him again. We're a very welcoming back. I mean, like we saw that with Pujols when he finally came back with the Angels yeah. and they gave him a standing ovation. Like, yeah, he hit home run and against, the, against them to take the lead. Yeah. And the whole place gave, gave him a curtain call, which you'll yes. never see in any other city. Absolutely. And that was, I got, I, uh, I used to work with a guy who played for the San Francisco Giants. He was there, one of their pitchers, like in and out of farm. Too. But you would literally go, who's the best fans in baseball? You go, St. Louis, hands down. Hmm. He's like, I would say, he said St. Louis followed by. And he goes, honestly, he thought San Francisco fans because they're loyal. Yeah. But he said, he goes, in St. Louis, because I guess he played minor league ball somewhere near. He goes, you could walk up to anyone in St. Louis during baseball season, just grab a random person and they'll tell you how many games out of first the Cardinals are and how many, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, and who's crazy. their best hitter? They just do. We're such loyal. And that's what I try to explain to people here that like, they're like, oh, we're sports fans. And I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Like, right. When the Dodgers were in the World Series, like maybe three TVs were on it and like a place of like, I said, dude, this was St. Louis and the Blues were in the playoffs or the Cardinals were in the playoffs. There, no TV would be on anything other than that. Yep. Period. That's it. It just wouldn't. There's so much. What our sports teams do matters to us. And like it, and that's why I just, I kid with, I got so mad. I was watching the world series when the, I think it was against Boston or something. I forget. They got up and walked out of the grandstand, like behind, like there's people leaving. Yeah, it went in there. And I was standing, I said, this is why you guys deserve to lose this whole series. <laughs> and I, I was, I do try to piss a lot of people off that night, but I was like, what is, what is this? So it's oh, like I get you. having that mentality waiting 50 some odd years for a team to win. I think now that we've seen the blues win the Stanley cup, we mm-hmm. actually have the vision of a blue Jersey holding a Stanley cup. I yeah. think somehow it just makes it more possible for it yeah, to happen for every again year. Sooner. Every year. Yeah. I also yeah, thought it gave just, them a, yeah. it gave them like, I, I get I told uh, people like, it gives me a five year, like where like if they lose in the playoffs, I'm like, okay. It won't be like, you know, if they lose in a playoffs in the past, I always go into this like malaise for two weeks where I just didn't want to do anything. You're so upset yeah. that the team lost. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I feel like watching the rest of the playoffs. So I'll just find out who wins. And then now this year, I was like, oh, I might catch a game here or there and whatever. But it sucks my team's not in it. But God, but we like I see that banner sitting over there. It says the Blues are champions just two years ago. So I saw that memory fresh in my mind. So but after that window is uh, shut, when they're, they get bad again, they're like, ah, then I'm kind of disappointed. But this year was kind of tough for me when I saw that they drew Colorado. I was like, oh, yeah. oh. You're like, ah, that's not going to be good. And then <laughs> I thought, like, good, I was man. like, all right, all right, they might have a shot. I was trying to be over optimistic Blues fan because that's just how I am on the, on the yeah. podcast. And then Chris is like, I don't know, man. They're probably going to probably want to take them to five, maybe six. I'm like, oh, the Blues can do it in seven. I got this. And then, pfft, I was way off. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's me being a bit of a homer, I'll be honest. But at the same time. It, eh. it is. I mean, that's – I have a guy that – You got to have that hope, too, because you feel bad picking against your team. But at the same time, it's like you also want to be realistic. But also think about it this way. When we won, we were dead last halfway through the season. Yeah. So you really don't – I mean, you really don't know. People get injured. Things happen. You know what I mean? It's yeah. – as I said, I, I, in my mind, I didn't think – Montreal had a shot against Vegas. I really didn't think they did. Oh, yeah. So I, thought right. gonna, I, I thought it was going to be sweep. Vegas. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a sweep. I thought it was going to And then just to watch that. Now, granted, Vegas has been really good at just completely shutting down. Mm-hmm. And just teams like, I'm sorry, Dallas last year or in the yeah. bubble. It's, these teams shouldn't have went over them. They yeah. just, like, stopped playing. Yeah. But 
the Blues could be that other team, you know, man. like Colorado could be that it just doesn't show up. And it's like, that's what it is, man. Essentially, the season is to qualify you for the tournament to get you to the Stanley Cup. That's what it is. Yep. So Just for get me, in it's always go it far, don't yeah. start until the postseason. Yep. If you get in, this is a whole new thing. Anything can happen. I mean, I know it's seven games, so it's not really like NCAA March Madness, you know, anything can happen kind of, a, but like it can, you know, and hmm. I think I, you always got, I'm, I'm like you, man. I was looking at like, wow, how they could turn it around. Cause like, I have a friend of mine who he's just now getting into hockey. He really likes it. But like mm-hmm. last, you know, a couple of years I've known him. He's really getting, well, you know, we'll watch recaps and stuff uh, when we work together and that. And I'm like, all right, man. So this is like my breakdown. And he's like, well, what do you think the blues? Cause he knows right away. What do you think it's Colorado? Like, well, maybe if this happens, like yeah. there's always a way I can like, I'm like you, there's like a mad scientist way where I'm like, well, you know, maybe such and such gets hurt, or yeah, if everything know, they, falls into place, and this guy the Blues do well. stop getting, yeah. you know, pushed completely to the outside of their zones, which is like, you know, that that seems to be the bane of their existence when the defense can expand and keep them mm-hmm. completely almost on the boards, and which is, it's easy for me to say that, but also when you're on the ice with those guys playing at the speed they're playing, the size they're playing, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. much harder to, but you know, we yeah, I started breaking it down and explaining to them like this could. But then in the back of my head, I'm like, damn, that's gonna, that's gonna, that's a long shot. It's a long shot, but <laughs> that's yeah, a long shot. shot. So uh, we'll start to wrap it up. But before we get out of here, I want to talk about a couple of things. So one, obviously, um, talk about your stand up. So people want to find uh, find you online. Where would they find you? You could go to uh, danwalshcomedy.com um, on Instagram at, at I think danwalsh314. That's easy for a St. Louis person to remember. Exactly. Uh, Fam Walsh 83 on, on Twitter. Uh, you can literally just go to YouTube and type in Dan Walsh comedy. Um, gotcha. I, it has its own channel and it's things of like skits we produced. Um, I have a friend of mine who is just a, uh, he's a filmmaker and an award-winning filmmaker I should say this. Uh, he did a really cool uh, like dance, like you've heard of musicals, but have you ever heard of like a dancicle? Like where, where it's no. basically a movie, but they just dance. It's not singing necessarily. It's just, they just all break into dance. dancing. Okay. Yeah. So he shot this really cool black and white, like, but he wound up winning all his awards for it. But he's always looking for things to like kind of film and expand and play with. So we started doing this whole thing called Vote for Dan, mm-hmm. where I was just making ridiculous yeah. promises as a politician. And we just laughed about like, because we we're like, if we were politicians, it would be really funny. Just this is what we promised. This is mm-hmm. something that really matters. Uh, and we all just like wrote them down and we we're like, that's, that's really funny. We should literally get serious and just do these. And so like, it started off as a joke, but like, yeah, he kind of uses it too to like narrow down and uh, different like filming techniques and stuff like that. Cause his, uh, his, his job is he films horse racing. So it's yeah. like, that's his other, so when he's not making films, he films horse racing. That's great. So it's kind of this weird like spectrum yeah. of how he works. So we do those, uh, it has the stand up bits on it. Um, you know, little clips here and there. Um, you can kind of see on a lot of them, how we've pieced certain jokes together. Gotcha. Um, because it's a lot of it's just like the clubs film them and you can get them from them. They'll put them up. So you kind of can see me just, you know, a lot of times there's a club in Burbank that I really like to work at uh, called Flappers. So if you're ever in Burbank, it's a really cool comedy club, has two rooms, good restaurant, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But they give me a lot of stage time. Uh, it's a really nice club. Um, like right now, Jay Leno does a lot of dates there because of uh, his club and El Segundo's shut down um, for, I believe, COVID. Uh, they just never opened it back up, but like it has a lot of people down there. So yeah, like, you know, J 
Jeff Garland, uh, Jay Leno, all that. So a lot of cool guys that go through there. Cool. So I have the opportunity to kind of perform there and, and, and be around those guys. So that place is fun. So you'll see a lot of like kind of stand up there, but if you'll see a lot of similarities, but it's, it's cool. Like we we're talking about, that's the place where I go to work out a lot of stuff. You know, it's like if I do get the opportunity to end up at the comedy store, usually I'm just bringing a game. Like I don't gotcha. mess around there at all. Like it's it's yeah. You know, I used to do Friday nights at the comedy store, which was like surreal. Yeah, because you're you're right there on Sunset and you're walking through it. It's just like the people you're on the shows with, the people you're next to. You're just like, what did I? Do? I had Ron White one time stop me because I was I parked at a meter and mm-hmm. I was waiting to go up, and uh, obviously two comics that are a way bigger deal to me step up and I get bumped back two slots. So I have to run out and put in my 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 meter. I have to up the meter and I come yeah. running back, right? And I go around the corner going in it and I run right into to Ron White, dude. And he's got the glass of scotch, the cigar. And he's like, kid, there is nowhere in this building you need to go running that fast. And I said, I think I'm up. I had to go put uh, coins in the meter. And he goes, well, what the hell are you talking to me for? Get your ass up there. Jesus. Like, it was just a cool, like vibe there but yeah when you go to places like that you just want to definitely bring only your a game um you get lucky enough to get in at certain places here where they give you stage time and you're able to kind of play with it a little bit more flappers is mine uh so i'm very grateful to them they have really cool shows so you'll see a lot of kind of stand-up bits coming out of there uh the different rooms and stuff that's kind of where i go to work stuff out so cool check that out and another uh another venture that you also have which i want to mention before you got here is podcast that you just recently started about seven or eight episodes in so far so you have a uh, dan and abram versus life so uh um, i saw that you can put that on and uh you have it on apple podcast spotify stitcher probably all the podcast apps just like this podcast but uh maybe tell yeah. people kind of like uh what you guys uh do on the podcast so basically man like abram and i uh abram was on the shows with me uh, that's where we met and everything. We're very similar in the fact that I think that we're pretty progressive minded people. Like we're pretty laid back. We're pretty open minded. We don't, but there's conversation. There's confusing things going on in our world today. You know, mm-hmm. there's things that are, that are happening that, you know, maybe people like our age aren't the most in on and they ask mm-hmm. questions, but it can get them in trouble kind of a thing. So we decided we were going to have a podcast where we literally just jump. Like we take the, the blow for everybody. We're going to ask questions, have conversations about things most people don't want to have conversations about. Cool. Um, So, and I mean, it's not always like, you know, scary stuff, like, you know, like dodgy stuff. A lot of it is just like things that, you know, men sometimes feel like they can't talk about, especially guys from Montana and Missouri, you know, like, Uh so we're both just kind of like open-minded. I would think he and I's, and it's always been this way. Like when we've done shows together and that we would be in these other, like a Panamanian jungle and we would just be sitting there just talking about it like and people would just listen to us sometimes and be like you two could just bounce off each other all night just like our minds like we kind of like we get an idea and we're going back and forth and oh well, what about this what about that and it just develops into something huge so we decided that we would just do a podcast um just doing that uh discussing different things like we're not experts in anything but we bring up things that are affecting our world our society today and we're just kind of talking about it without judgment or you know without you know freaking out or anything like that you know not with the with the um intention to upset anybody or anything like that but we also yeah i mean i, I think it's the best way to say it we talk about stuff that a lot of people try to avoid but we do it in a way where we're not judging um and we're just both kind of really open-minded people but like we also say how it is too on the other end like so there's a lot of just 
I think uh, this last one we were doing was was feedback, right? Mm-hmm. So we're getting all these like, well, do the questions we get come anywhere from okay, well, on this challenge, who is this person that you liked, or all the way down to how do you guys feel about non-binary? You know, yeah. people that identify in the LGBTQ, and it's like, and like, dude, I in my life, you know, I I mean, like, the people closest to me, and this is funny because we grew up Catholic, right? Yeah. There was the whole, you know, shame on homosexuality. No, oh, yeah, yeah. I have a den of homosexuals around me as my friends. <laughs> like I'm a straight white male from the Midwest, but like grow, moving out to LA, the people that I've just grown friendships with and everything like that uh, just happen to be in that community. Right. So uh, luckily my group that I'm with a super cool laid back older doesn't, you know, so I've always been able to have conversations about those issues, about stuff that we're seeing on social media. But like, if someone says the wrong thing or celebrities says the wrong thing, everybody's like, oh, yeah. you hate me, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, he and I both know people from that world that that's not how they are. And we feel like that that's a bad misrepresentation of things and it doesn't help anybody. Nobody ever gets to like, figure out the issue or learn anything about it if everyone's so scared to say it so we've just opened up this whole podcast literally just talking about stuff like that talking about him being a new father you know him uh you know just anything man mental health in los angeles man like it's 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 we have we have a homeless problem uh that's grown 75 percent since 2012 it's over eighty thousand homeless people within you know uh, so many blocks they're mentally ill they're throwing bricks through windows they're doing all that and like the city can't get a hold of it and so it's like it's not all super heavy stuff sometimes it's funny sometimes it's sometimes it's about the challenges sometimes it's about but it's just two mainly men having conversations that mainly men don't normally have and uh we're kind of doing it without judgment or without really being scared of getting yelled at or anything so if anybody awesome. has ever has young kids or something and they're like, what the hell is going on with this, this, that, or the other, we probably will hit on any of those subjects. And we're going to give you like the old dude introduction yeah. to it. You know what I mean? Like if you ever have sat on the outside going, man, I don't know what the hell these kids are talking about. He and I are like that too. I had that and moment so, like, finally uh, recently with uh, my daughter who's turning in 12 this year. So I, she like was just, just got her own phone and you know, all that good stuff. And she, she doesn't do this stuff, but she'll like just watch things on TikTok constantly. So I'm like, I literally uttered the words the other day. I'm like, what's this TikTok about? And she's like, you know, you just watch videos and stuff. I'm like, don't you dances and stuff? And she's like, I, yeah, but it's more than that. I'm like, oh, and then I told it with my wife. I'm like, wow, I just sounded like, like my dad there <laughs> asking about something, you know, like when we were younger. What's like, with this TikTok? Yeah, then he, like my dad, like, what's this Sega thing you have right here? Like, you know, that's what it remind me of, yeah. like, you know, and now it's like, now I'm asking that, like, oh, man. That's Dang. how I am, too. And I'm sitting yeah. there, like, I don't even know. I, you know, honestly, here's a good example of it, all right? I'm living, my friends who I care deeply about, they're in a community that I don't know anything about because I'm not in that community, right? Mm-hmm. I've had a very, I, I'm, I'm a straight male. I don't, you know, so I don't know all the new terms and linguos and that tall, this new stuff. And mm-hmm. someone brought up non-binary, right? I was going to read an article about non-binary. Mm-hmm. And as I'm reading it, I keep reading they and them. And I'm like, how many people are they talking about? And then I realized at the end of it that that's how they that's how it referred to. And now I said, it's not that I'm not a supporter of the LGBTQ. I'm too stupid to keep up with everything the, the ever. But it's, I don't know, like that's the kind, that's a great example of it. We laugh at ourselves for not always knowing what's going on. 
we talk about it to kind of help other people catch up without feeling like they're going to get, you know, called old or out of touch or yeah. anything like that. Perfect. Um, and, and then we get into kind of more serious stuff too. Sometimes uh, stuff that like, you know, uh, he issues with marriage. Um, we had a really good one about him uh, just recently. His wife is uh, she's African-American. Mm-hmm. And I mean, very dark complected. He's the whitest person you'll ever see. He's damn near a Viking. Like mm-hmm. that's what he looks like. Uh, they were living in Montana. Okay. Okay. And like Montana is like, other than the small native, like it is white as white can be. So when his wife came in, she looked so much different and it drew kind of this response that he was shocked in. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, we grow up and we're like, oh man, we're not racist. Our community's not racist. We don't, we don't, but we don't see how it looks to other sides. And he kind yeah. of got this like firsthand thing of it. And he, we talked about it where he was like, things we don't even realize that we're saying or doing, or, you know, I mean, to someone who is isolated in an area where they don't, you know, really, uh, where they don't really fit in. And it's like, the only thing that I ever have of that is when I went to other countries. And I'm sitting there in the midst of all that. I, of course, I feel like an outsider and completely different. But the fact that he's kind of saying like, no, man, my wife is in America. Lived, but like where we were living, it was, she really was the only person of her, you know, of her, of her kind around. And around, it, just, yeah. it, it was, and it was, it created not problem problems, but it was so awkward. It was so uncomfortable. It was so that, you know, they wanted to have to leave. And it wasn't necessarily, you know, like you see in the movies where, you know, people are, you know, knocking on the door with, you know, yeah. it, it was just, and it, I thought it was really cool as kind of a way of not being lectured, but kind of realizing where we accidentally may do things that make people feel super uncomfortable mm-hmm. without even meaning to, you know what I mean? And gotcha. it wasn't one of those where we're like, shame on you. You're terrible. You're this. It was just kind of like, Hey guys, you may not see it from this angle. I didn't see it from this angle until there was someone else, but here's something to think about. Gotcha. And that's pretty much it, man. And that's, and some of it's super hysterical. Some of it's super funny. We told stories about Abram getting arrested in China. That's when people might want to listen to uh, me and him possibly being involved in someone getting killed in the Czech Republic. Like, Jeez. <laughs> it's, and I know it doesn't sound funny, but that's just kind of the podcast, man. It goes anywhere from just us talking about stories, us talking about subjects, matters, things like that. And it's, it, it's fun, man. We just kind of, and then we're really big on uh, interaction. So people can reach out to us if they've listened and uh, have any questions on any platform that we have, you know, Instagram, uh, the website, anything like that, uh, or my websites. And then we just kind of like a lot of a big part is just answering that back. It's just, oh, they want to ask, well, here it is. Yeah. And sometimes it spawns into like bigger conversations. And as you can, as you know, firsthand, Jason, right now, I ramble, I can go on forever about anything. So picture oh, yeah. two of us going on and that's pretty gotcha. much it. Oh yeah. So definitely a, uh, I think we might have set the record for our longest podcast ever for uh, this one, <laughs> but uh, but also I had a lot of fun. So it was fun, also catching up with you, talking about hockey again, which is always fun. Uh, so I'll do my social spiel real quick. If you want to find the podcast, we are at Blues Hockey NHL on Twitter. Check out Facebook and Instagram. It's Blues Hockey Podcast. Also, our website is BluesHockeyPodcast.net. You can find a. I was a, I said mirage. That's the wrong word. It's late, so I'm trying to think of a the proper word. A lot of different stuff, basically. You can find anything from where you're getting download the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Amazon Music, uh, Pocket Cast, all the cast. Uh, anything you need, we have our merchandise tab for our, any of our merch you want to buy. Buy our merch. You can find a link 
to all of our sponsors and you can please go out and support them. That includes Rockstar Taco Shack, Lucky Lola's and DraftKings, which DraftKings, if you use the code THPN, you can use that code to get uh, bonuses when you sign up or weekly bonuses to bet on anything. Like if you want to bet on the upcoming, uh, I believe right now the Cardinals and uh, let's see Cubs thing. Oh, and the, and of course the Cardinals just blew it. So there we go. You could have bet on the Cardinals oh. and you would have lost money today. So, but you could have bet on that. So anyway, that's one thing you, you could have lost do. money on that. You yeah, so you could have lost money on that. It looks like they blew it. So uh, maybe next time. So, uh, but if you get a bonus, you have more money to play with next time. So there, there's the positive look out of it. So once again, Dan, thank you for coming on. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you on because we have so much. We have like a lot of different areas. We can definitely go into more sort of with wrestling and a little bit more uh, uh, hockey talk and a little more comedy stuff. I, I wanted to go deeper on uh, how the developing of everything, but I think that's going to be a, very like longer conversation i think after i was starting to think of the next question so we'll definitely dive <laughs> into that more next time because i thought you explained it really well and it made me really intrigued so let's we'll come back to that for sure but once again thanks for coming on uh make sure you uh find dan on his socials also check out the dan and abram versus life podcast that's it man awesome. you killed it there we go you need to do our announcements because he and i are all over the place with that yeah we try so Dude. You nailed it, man. You're a professional. Yeah, all right. Well, that's I, I do my best. Thanks everyone. We'll talk to you guys next time.